Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Krista Gunia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, July 15th, 2017. As most of our listeners should know by now, Melissa and I returned from a long road trip, six weeks and a day, just yesterday evening. We didn't return until about an hour before yesterday's podcast. I barely had time to put the necessary components of my office back together before we did the podcast, and I was still earlier last night than I am this evening. I apologize for being late tonight. We're going to do something, well, a little different tonight. We just have a list of friends whom we are going to have chats with on various topics. Some of those friends are very long-time adherents of Christian identity. One of the conversations is pre-recorded, and we will play it at the appropriate time. One gentleman that we that we planned on speaking to this evening is in Ireland, and the live program is just a um, just a little long, or, or just a little late for him to stay up for it. I'm sorry. Before we begin, I want to talk about some of these blessings and curses in Deuteronomy, simply as a um, as a way to get the conversation started. I, I don't know if it's really going to be necessary. I've been wanting to talk about this for several weeks now and haven't yet had the opportunity. This is a brief survey of the curses of disobedience of some of the curses of disobedience to the laws of our God, which are found in Deuteronomy chapter 15. And these curses were meant for the ancient kingdom of Israel in their disobedience. But these curses are being fulfilled in the Christian world of today. And they're being fulfilled in a somewhat different manner because of different circumstances. But history inevitably repeats itself because men do not learn from history. It's that simple. If we learned from history, and if we learned not to repeat the mistakes of our fathers, but to take the good things that they did and repeat those, we would all be better off for it in the world today. In fact, we would have the kingdom of heaven. And in Deuteronomy 28, from verse 15, we read, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of Yahweh thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. And you could say that white people today are hated because of the Jewish media. And we are hated when we walk out through the cities and through the countryside. We're hated by the Jews that encounter us. We're hated by the 
niggers that encounter us. We're hated by the Mexicans that encounter us. When they're nice to us, it's only because they think they have to be nice to us to get something from us. And as soon as they don't feel that they have to be nice to us, they put a knife in our back and they take what they want. And that's the way it's been for 50 years now all over America. And it's also now that way in Europe. You can say that white people are hated because of the Jewish media, but Yahweh is only using the Jewish media and these other races and the Jews themselves as a scourge to punish whites for our sin. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. And you can say that Jewish-controlled corporations like Monsanto have ruined the food supply but that would not be possible if white Christian, white Christians had obeyed the gospel of Christ. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. And we wonder why our children are so screwed up with vaccines and other illnesses and diseases. And if they escape that, they're still screwed up with public school indoctrination. And we wonder why the animals we eat are full of poisons and artificial hormones. But it's all for the same reasons. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Yahweh shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. Yahweh shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he has consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. Yahweh shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. And we wonder why there is so much disease today, and especially cancer. There is an incredible number of people with cancer who are falling victim to the Jewish medical industry. And the more we accept the Jewish pharmaceuticals and related medical industries, and the Jewish physicians, the more cursed we are and the more remote is any hope for a cure. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. Yahweh shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven it shall come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. And we wonder why we have chemtrails. Don't wonder why we have chemtrails. Just look at Deuteronomy 28, Verse 24, that's why we have chemtrails. The heaven in scripture often represents earthly governments. And the more, the more sinful we become, the harsher and more tyrannical the government becomes. So our heaven is like brass. And likewise, the harder we labor, the less we reap in return so the earth becomes as iron. Yahweh shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them.
and shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And thy carcass shall be meat unto all the fowls of the air, and unto the beasts of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. And what do we see in every one of our cities throughout America? What do we see in, in this, the, this crime rate? All of these criminal acts that these teens perform day in and day out. And white men are powerless to do anything about it because they fled seven ways before these niggers and these Mexican beasts. And this is relative to ancient Israel and it was fulfilled. Today it is relative in different ways. The enemies wander our streets looking for victims and even the faithful are scattered and have little to rely upon as a means of defense against the so-called criminals. In fact, quite often, when you do defend yourself against one of these criminals, you get prosecuted simply for shooting a nigger that's robbing your house or raping your wife. You get persecuted and prosecuted in the courts. Don't wonder why. Just read that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Yahweh will smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch whereof thou cannot be healed. Yahweh shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart and thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled for evermore and no man shall save thee and today we have more people who are on prescription medication or who are grossly overweight and who can hardly function they can't even walk around Walmart there's more people like that than we have healthy people and I don't know if emeralds are hemorrhoids. That requires a word study. I think they are. But if we think about it, things like inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's disease and other related such diseases are getting more and more common today when a few decades ago they were practically unheard of. Thou shalt betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. The family courts and the judges in the divorce court will put you right out of it. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and thou shalt not gather the grapes thereof, because wifey's negro boyfriend is gathering your grapes. The divorce rates are better than 50% of the marriage rate. In 2015, there were 32.2 government marriages for every 1,000 unmarried women aged 15 or older. That same year, there were 16.9 divorces per 1,000 married women aged 15 or older. It was 17.6 in 2014 and almost 23 per 1,000 in 1980. But if I had my guess, the divorce rate is only down from 1980 because a lot more young people are hooking up and unhooking without getting government marriages. So the situation certainly is not getting any better because in the eyes of God, once you sleep with a woman, you are marrying her. But now just about everyone is only whoring around. Thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes, and thou shalt not eat thereof. Thine ass shall be violently taken away before my face, and shall not be restored to thee. 
Thy sheep shall be given under thine enemies, and thou shalt have none to rescue them. And this is not being literally fulfilled today, but it is certainly happening in the tax rates, where at least 50% of a working man's wages are written up in income taxes, retirement taxes, insurance taxes, consumption taxes, usage taxes, and property taxes. And there's probably more categories of taxes that I don't even know about. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. And there shall be no might in thine hand. And we see race mixing all around us. In fact, Melissa and I are very um, desensitized to race mixing. We've seen so much of it here in Panama City. And, and even in rather um, innocent-seeming places like Bristol, Virginia, or Bristol, Tennessee. Today, well, well, I'm sorry, these past six weeks on our recent trip, trip, what we saw mud sharks and oil drillers in, in Savannah, Georgia, in, in Greenville, South Carolina, and around Philadelphia, in, in, in Ohio, well, there's tons of them in Ohio, there's tons of them in Indiana, Illinois, everywhere we went, whether it's north or south, east or west, what we've seen, um, tall blonde women with, with entire packs of little niglet children around their feet. We saw one like that just the other, just yesterday in Pensacola, yesterday morning. There was a tall blonde woman and, and she had two little niglets in tow. And, and it's just appalling. And, and men with, with, with uh, white men, with Asians, it's incredible. It's in Biloxi, it's in Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter which part of the country you go. It's roughly the same rate all over the place. And there's not a damn thing we could do about it. There shall be no might in thine hand. And we look on them with longing. And we can't do a damn thing about it. And if we told the, the white person in, in the relationship about it, we would be the criminals. The fruit of thy land and all thy labor shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed always, so that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. And many of the taxes we pay are going to the benefit of aliens, foreign aid, overseas military, immigration, and the massive bureaucracy needed to support a purposely multicultural society. The Lord shall, or Yahweh, shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot under the top of thy head. And how much cancer do we have in the world or in the country today? The Lord shall bring thee, and thy king which shall set over thee, unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword, among all nations whither Yahweh shall lead thee. And we are actually doing this by serving all of these other nations as they have come here. It is happening in a manner quite the opposite of the way it happened in ancient Israel, but it is nevertheless happening. And let me say something for the people that we know, the people close to us, our own loved ones and our dearest friends who have cancer or who have sick children. It's not for your sin that you have these problems. 
It's not your sin at all. We have, and, and I personally, we have our own health problems. But it's for the sin of the nation that even the best people are being stricken with these troubles. If we read the prophecy of Jeremiah, we will learn that the good are slain, the good are punished along with the wicked. The righteous and the wicked are punished together for the sins of the nation. That's just the way it is. So the best of us have sick children. The best of us have rebellious children. The best of us get cancer and other diseases which are incurable. And that's part of our trial in the faith. And we're not immune because simply because we know the truth. The righteous are punished along with the wicked. Ezekiel chapter 21, 3. And say to the land of Israel, Thus saith Yahweh, Behold, I am against thee, and will draw forth my sword out of its sheath, and will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked. So none of the righteous are going to be immune from these punishments. They are punishments which come upon the entire nation. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field, and shalt gather in but little. In other words, for your labors, whether you're a farmer or not, for your labors, you're not going to gather much for it. For the locust, or the Chinaman, or the Mexican, shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards, and shalt dress them, but shalt neither drink of the wine, nor gather the grapes. For the worms, or the Arabs, or the Jews, shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coasts, but thou shalt not anoint myself with the oil, for thine olive shall cast its fruit. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. All the trees and fruit of thy land shall the locust consume. Our sons and our daughters are in captivity in many ways, with aliens in prisons in one form of slavery or another, and corporate employment is indeed a form of slavery, all while the governments and the aliens slowly consume more and more of what was once our own. At the same time, we suffer all sorts of invasive species and other blights upon our crops and other vegetation. When I say invasive species in that manner, I'm talking about all of the... um wicked diseases and bacterias and insects and, and even invasive species of fish that, that, that come in on, on global shipping and devour our land and our plants and our own fish, our own native species of fish. It happens all the time, things like that happen. There's all sorts of invasive species here destroying our crops and, and our animal life in this country. And, and that, that's only going to get worse and worse as time progresses in, in this system of globalization. Aside from the obvious invasive species of Chinaman and Mexican and Arab who are destroying us and our, our produce. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt Thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. 
He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. So we have this with the Jew. And it is coming with the other races as well, that they are better off economically than most whites. Melissa and I go to down, down to Panama City Beach two or three days a week, and more often and more often we see Negroes and Mexicans at all of these fancy resorts. We see it in Panama City, we see it in Destin, we've seen it in Pensacola, and we wonder... How do these niggers and, and spicks afford these luxury resorts at $1,500, $2,000 a week? Well, they have EBT cards, they have government jobs, they have that they have equal opportunity, that they have all of the government programs that make sure that these people get good jobs at the expense of white people. And I'm going to skip across verses 45 through 52, which... um. Which continue to describe and, and re-describe much the same thing in, in different languages, speaking about a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old or show favor to the young, and, and so on and so forth, and how these strangers are going to come in and devour our goods, our cattle, our children, our produce, the works of our hands, and enslave us. Well, technically, we're not enslaved. The Jewish media keeps telling us that we're free, but you just stop giving your money to the government and you'll find out how much of a slave you are very quickly. In ancient times it was the Assyrians and Babylonians, today it's the Jews, and the Jews have brought along the niggers and the chinks and the mestizos, and, and they're all here, and they're all filling themselves with our inheritance. The only hope we have is to repent and... We are promised what it says in Obadiah chapter, well, in Obadiah verses 15 and 16, that when we do repent, when it is time, Yahweh will ensure that these aliens will be as though they have not been. They're all here to die. But the real question is, how much do we have to suffer before we repent? so that they all will die. Finally, I want to cite Deuteronomy 28.53. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and thy daughters, which Yahweh thy God has given thee, in the siege and in the straightness, wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. And we can laugh at that and say, oh, that can't happen today. But it surely can happen today. I'm going to give one news item that struck me. Just um, about a month ago, maybe a little more than that, maybe just before we left in, in on June 2nd on, on our six-week trip, I saw this news item. In fact, it was just before we left. It came out, um, I, I found it sometime in May. And, and it's not a new news item, but I just found it, and when I found it, it struck me that it was a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 28.53. Charlene Downs is a young girl that disappeared in Britain several years ago. And Charlene Downs was evidently, well... Let me mute my, my microphone because it just won't stop. Charlene Downs was evidently a victim of sexual grooming with Arabs. 
and in court recently one of those Arabs had bragged that Charlene Downs was made after she was raped and abused sexually by a group of these Pakis. She was raped and she was cut up in pieces. She was raped repeatedly and she was cut up in pieces and she was put into the kebabs. Charlene was raped on a second in an alleyway next to a kebab shop. She visited the alleyway to have sex with these Muslim aliens in Britain. And after they used her for whatever she was worth, they bragged that they cut her up in pieces and put her into the kebabs that they sold to the local English people at the kebab shop. And thou shalt eat the food of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and thy daughters, which Yahweh God has given thee, in the siege and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. And all we could wonder is how many missing white girls whose bodies were never found ended up in kebabs or in knishes or in Hebrew national hot dogs. Who knows? But don't think that all these punishments of disobedience aren't going to come across our people. They certainly will be fulfilled in one way or another. And on that happy note, I'm sorry, it just has to be done. On that happy note, we are going to begin our discussions with, with the, the, the friends that we have lined up this evening. And I pray that we are all edified. We'll see how long it takes Sonny to answer his phone. I'm sorry, Sonny. <laughs> Hi, this is Sonny. I'm Hello. sorry I'm unable to take your call at this time. If you'll leave a brief message, I'll return your call. Well, I mean, we weren't supposed to get Sonny's recording. We'll see what's up with that, and we'll try again. I apologize if there's too much of a delay here. Can you hear me? Yeah. I got you now. You sound better than your recording. Do Oh, do I? <laughs> Hello, Sonny. Hello, I, I, Bill. Well, we didn't talk about what you wanted to talk about, really, but what we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, you expected the call. I'm sure you have something. I've been sitting there listening to you rant and rave about Deuteronomy 28, 15, 68 for the last 30 minutes. And that's something I've been doing myself to the Judeo-Christians for the last five years. And it just falls on deaf ears. But well, you had mentioned... Go ahead. Usually it does. I, I agree. You're right. Because they personally aren't being punished yet. And, 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 and they don't... They don't care about what's happening to, to the people in the rest of the country. That's true. No, because because all they're doing is waiting on the rapture. Well, that's also or as true. I, as I like to term it, rupture. That they're waiting on the tribulation, too. Yeah. And, and they don't believe that that's going to happen. Well, they're looking at a timeline of seven years. And they don't know... Preachers have no idea what the seven years is. They think it's a 
regular seven year period like we have right now. Well, yeah, right. But but in, in, in the meantime, the prophetic, yeah. I'm sorry. In, in the meantime, the thirty or forty thousand women that get raped every every year by Negroes that they're not being um, put through tribulation. And and what about all the people murdered by, by by these aliens every year, and all the people that that are robbed and burglarized and 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 everything else that is happening to our race at the hands of our own government, that the oppressive taxes and and the constant warfare that that's being waged, none of none of that's tribulation. I, I mean, people are just that they're ignorant until they suffer loss themselves, and and then they complain. Exactly. They they sit around. They go to their neck of churches. They sit there and listen to the preachers tell them uh, sweet words, sweet love and everything, you know, coming out of the pulpit that it's not going to affect them. They're going to be raptured out of all this. They don't have to worry about the tribulation. They can't see these, you know, I see on Facebook almost every day. Well, since I've gotten back on my primary screen name, gotten out of Jew book jail. That's where all my Judeo Christian friends from high school are. And I'm still I'm trying to reach still trying to reach them. And I've got friends posting every day pictures of, you know, five to fifteen year old kids being abducted or being missing. They have no idea where they are. They're probably in Tel Aviv by now and they have no idea. Uh, well, that's true. Know. As soon as a child goes missing, they should check the local, the, the local synagogues, the basements, and, and there's a good true. chance they'll find them. And if they don't find them there, and they have a mosque in the area, that's where they should go next. Right. And you know, you're talking about you're talking about the niggers in the country. You know, we've got that here in the south. We've had it all my life. I was. I was born in 1951. I was raised prejudiced. My dad hated them. He grew up with them. But nowadays, it's not them that's really causing the problem. It's all these towel heads, these blogs, Muslims, whatever you want to call them, coming in here. I made a post in the chat a little bit ago. You'll see women coming in restaurants with five or six kids in tow, ranging from 15 down to one she's carrying in her arms. The locusts, the caterpillars, the canker worms, yes, they're invading. And Judeo-Christians can't see it. They think it's actual bugs. You know, it just makes me madder every day when I see these things and knowing that I know the truth and they can't see it. Well, well, how did you find Christian identity? Well, it's a long story because it started in 1983, but I'll make it brief. Uh, I was living with my grandmother. She was Southern Baptist. I was Southern Baptist. I'd been saved twice. I'd been born again twice. Anyway, one Sunday morning, she went to church, and I decided I didn't want to go, so I stayed at home, turned on the TV. And with three channels, wasn't much choice, all three of them religious. So I ended up on one channel with a man by the name of Herbert W. Armstrong, Worldwide Church of God. 
And I sat there and listened to him, and he made more sense there in 30 minutes than anything my preacher had said the last three years. <clears throat> anyway, I ordered his correspondence course, took that. Later that summer of 83, I moved to Montana, working in a Christian youth camp, and then working on 30,000 cattle ranch, came back in 84, and in 86, I got involved in the patriot movement, constitutional movement. I knew something was wrong in this country. I didn't know what. I knew it tied to the Bible. How, I did not know. Uh, a couple of months after, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. A couple of months after I got involved with that, I met a man who became my mentor and my best friend. He was a Sabbath keeper, and he started showing me things in the Bible that I had seen for years, didn't understand, and started explaining them to me from a Christian identity standpoint. And my eyes, Yahweh started opening my eyes. The hardest stumbling block for me to get over with after being impounded or pounded in my head for 30, 31 years after that time was the uh, erroneous belief that the Jews are God's chosen people. When that ice finally broke, everything started becoming clear. And, and how I long followed, did it take that to break? Because I, I got a beef with correspondence courses. I got a beef with courses for, for a particular well, I, reason. Even okay, with, only, uh, I'm sorry, even with courses took, like the AIT. Only took, I'm sorry, do what? It, I'm sorry, there must be a delay. Even with courses like the AIT, I have a beef with them. But because I really Correct. think that I really think that correspondence courses and similar courses give people a false sense of accomplishment and at the same time they lock people into a paradigm. They lock people into a paradigm where they are proud of their accomplishment and that makes them resistant to further knowledge from other sources. That that's my opinion of what's wrong with courses. I will agree with you on that. I only took on this course, on Armstrong's correspondence courses, I only, and I don't even remember what they were. You know, hell, that was 35, 36 years ago. But uh, I only took two or three by the time I had left the Montana. And then I worked up, I was up there for the first six weeks working in a Judeo-Christian camp for kids. So, you know, I didn't have time to study that stuff up there and got out of it. But what got my attention, like I say, in 86, were things happening in the country, and I knew the Constitution a little bit, not very well, better probably at that time than kids do graduate from high school today that know absolutely nothing. But when I had a friend give me a book and told me to read this, it was titled War Cycles, Peace Cycles by Richard Kelly Hoskins. And it was the cycles of war and peace going all the way back to the time of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And, you know, it made sense. But like I say, everything, everything in it about it was pointed at the Jews. 
And it's, you know, I read about a third of the way through it, and I said, I can't read this shit, or I can't read this. Uh, it's going against God's chosen people. Well, Yahweh was sitting up there, and he said, well, if you're not going to let me come in by the front door, I'll come in by the side window. Over the next year, I got information from all different sources. And it took that. I picked the book up a year later and read it, and it made perfect sense. And, you know, I've been fighting them, denouncing them since then. Went from there to Sheldon Emery, went from Emery to Pete Peters, Peters to Dan Gaiman. There was seven or eight years there that I was off on another tangent. And then I ran across a man by the name of Eli James in about 2010, 2011. Which was pretty late. Yeah. Uh uh, I mean, from 1993, it was a long track, right? You were you you were right. locked in that 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 original um, sort of British Israel type paradigm for a long time. Correct. It took a long time. Well, yeah, it took a long time to realize that the Jews were not, or that the illegitimate state of Israeli is not Judah. Right. That was the first realization, and then I did not realize how much of the teachings of universalism that I was still holding on to from Judeo-Christianity or from the Southern Baptist Church especially. And uh, like I say, I followed Eli there for about three or four years, ran into you. <laughs> well, well, that was and fun. That was fun. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Melissa's dad who first tried to wake me up, and uh, I think Melissa even came down on me a few times in, in another group group that we were involved in there on Facebook. Well, well, what did and, you? Well, uh, what did I, I? don't want to talk about myself, but but just because okay. of your transformation from from. from the the Eli James sort of Christian identity to um Christogenia and and what I do. What what was your perception of me that you, you had to be um basically accosted by Don Smith and my my, my Melissa's father. <laughs> I guess we could call him my father in law and, and, and Melissa. You were an arrogant SOB. I'm an arrogant SOB, okay. Uh, okay. You were you you were back then. That's the way I viewed you. Well, well, I don't think. I, I, I hope I haven't changed. <laughs> you haven't. But uh, yeah, you know, you it's see, like oh, me. Okay. It, it's like me talking to a Judeo Christian today, trying to teach them what I know versus what they know. I was still in that universal mindset. Okay. That all you know that. Genesis twelve three, where it says that through Abraham all the nations of all the families of the earth will be blessed, pertain to all black, white, yellow, red, blue people on the earth. That's the because I had not that, I had not studied enough. That's what some of my friends, some of our friends, call compromise identity. Um, mm -hmm. If you actually read from Genesis chapter 10 through the time of Abraham and the promises in Genesis chapter 12 in context, 
you'll see that all the nations, all the families of the earth are all the white people that were just listed in Genesis chapter 10. Exactly. And, and that's the we, actual we, context. We, we were never, we never used the Old Testament in the Southern Baptist Church. Only parts of the Old Testament we ever used are the Psalms and Proverbs. Well, they never sadly, I'm, never I'm sorry. History. I'm sorry, but even and and quite disappointingly in Christian identity circles, mm -hmm. too many people think that that they segmentize the Bible according to those chapters and verses. That they don't see exactly. that the context does not change from from one chapter of Genesis to the next. Exactly. And and I, I, I don't know, maybe, I, I mean, a lot of people tell me that I come off as arrogant. Some of my best friends tell me that in, in my social media conversations that I'm an arrogant SOB. But but to me, it's not arrogance. I, I don't think I'm being arrogant. I only think that I'm confident. And, and I, I if, if people would take the time to hear me out, that I could cite and, and back up everything I say. I'm, I might be overly confident that maybe I'm just not humble, but I, I don't really think I'm arrogant. But I, I, I don't think I'm going to change either because it's just me. So well, that, that, that's another is, story. You know, I was calling you an arrogant SOB back then. I'm being called an arrogant SOB now. Because I will not relent, and it's simply because of the knowledge that I have wanted to learn the Judeos don't worry about. They think they go to church one day a week, that's enough. I guess you would say I'm like, like the Bereans were, searching the scriptures to find out the truth. That's how we should be. And, that, and that's, not what, that's not what the Judeo-Christian... What I call Christendom with a spell with a D U N B, that's not what they do. Well, after um, after Melissa and her father, it was Don Brown, right? <laughs> yes. Let me, like I say, I'm trying to make this short. I think it was in 2013, Don Brown was trying to become my friend. Uh, Barry Beluzzo. And I think, Sweetberry, I know you heard that. Uh, I, and I think somebody else told me, don't friend him, you'll regret it. And I, we were in, I think we were both messing around in a Arnold Murray website or group. And uh, I friended Don Brown. He started sending me information, email. I started reading it and started making sense. He sent me some Arnold Kennedy stuff, who I've read a little bit about, a little bit of in the past. And then he started sending me some Clifton Enheiser. I had seen Clifton's work before in his little act, but never read much of it. And Don told me the direction to go, and I went, and I could not, I, I couldn't stop. I'll put it, I'll just put it like that. I was seeing things explanations for things that I'd never seen or heard before. And I kept going, kept going. I started reading Clifton's newsletters. I read every one of them. Read most everything on his site. And uh, never listened to a podcast one. And then I found out that Bill Fink was his uh, proofreader 
And a lot of this stuff was written by Bill Fink. <laughs> and I started having to eat crow. And it didn't taste too good at first. But I have found, and I will, you, Bill Fink, have been a blessing, one of the greatest blessings to my journey and to my, and my knowledge and understanding. And it's not because I just sit there and read what you say. I read what you say. I research what you say. I've been in Herodotus, Asiculus, Thucydides, Theodore Siculus, and Sykes, checking what you have said. And it's all there. It can't be disproven. And it just, you know, it's kind of like all on one of your one of your pages starts out, I think it's Genesis 10, the race of Genesis 10. If we can't find the beginnings of our white race right here and trace it, we have no idea where we came from. Right. Right, that's the gist of it. And what the Bible is alien to us if we can't do that. Right. That's then, absolutely true. You know, being that way, you know, there's no other way to look at it except for the universalist way that Yahweh made all the race. And I, you know, I've proven it to myself because I believed that for a long time. But I've proven it to myself with the scriptures and with the research I've done. That Yahweh only created the white race of Adam. Well, well, the important thing is, Sonny, it is humility, and and I, I think you displayed that being e even though we started out. Um, on Facebook five years ago arguing and, and me being an arrogant SOB nevertheless uh, I mean you were already in Christian identity of one form for another in 30 years and you're still willing to learn new things that that's important oh, yeah. that that's a humble person that that's true humility it is the um the, the willingness to be obedient to God and and to keep studying the Word, even when you think, because I understand that a lot of people in Christian identity, um, especially Aryan nations and some of those guys that have been around for a long time, that have studied every bit of Wesley Swift and 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 they've taken their AIT courses and gotten their certificates, that they become to me, they become arrogant bastards because they think they know everything and, and won't learn anything new. We should understand that we can always be learning something new. And and none of us know everything. I don't know everything. I, I don't want to know everything. I, I, it would probably be much too large a burden. It, it's we can all learn something new from a brother. And like you said, the important thing is to take it and go study it out to see if it's true. Correct. And and that's real humility, and and that's what all identity Christians should aspire to do. That should be the attitude we all have after thirty years of being CI. So, you you know, I, I had I had studied I studied for years uh, different things that I did. I was in network marketing for almost twenty years. Uh, I studied, I studied, I studied. I learned that you don't stop learning. If you stop learning when you're when you finish high school, if you say I don't want to learn anything else, you're dead. 
if you don't continue learning all your life. And the thing is, you've got to start learning the things that are important. At one time, lot you know, riches and all this were important to me. They're not important to me now. A lot of people don't know my situation, and I'm not going. I'm not going to relay it here. But I have to May of 2015. I I told Yahweh. I said I can't do this anymore. I was still in network marketing at that time. And I totally quit because I knew it went against everything that is in the scriptures. And I said, all I can do is put my trust in you and praise Yahweh. I've had some down times, but I'm still here. This is two years later. I'm still alive, and I'm ready for his return. Yeah, well, that's all that matters. That's how we all should be. And that is humbling, I'm certain. But um, I pray you do well. And we'll help you do well if, if, um, if as soon as we get the opportunity. That the, um, I, I don't know if you want to speak about anything else, if you have any, any, any particular issue, you want to talk about any aspect of scripture, anything like that. It, it's wonderful to hear your story and, and, and your, your basic walk through Christian identity. To, to where we're at, and and that's always encouraging and edifying to our our listeners, no doubt. Well, like I told Melissa last night, I was reading something yesterday, and it had to be in in the book of Luke because I've been reading or rereading and listening to Luke this week on podcast and reading at the same time. But something came up yesterday, and I told Melissa last night, but I still cannot remember what it was. So with that, I would just say that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, that's um that that that's encouraging and 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 edifying. I thank you, Sonny. I I thank you for that. I really thank you, Bill. Yahweh bless, and I'll be talking soon. Okay, thank you. And and praise Yahweh. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, our next call is going to be our good friend Travis. Travis Brady, if if he doesn't mind that I share his full name. Travis has been waiting. I hope he's not um, asleep and I get another recording. Travis... No, I don't know what's going on with Travis. Travis. Yes, sir. I got some horrible noise the first time you answered. I- I'm sorry. sorry. Sounded like a a loud Celtic drum or something was about <laughs> to blow my brains out. How we doing? Doing good, man. I don't know about the video thing, Travis. On 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 a podcast call it might suck up too much bandwidth to be honest with you okay what do you want to talk about oh not much not much you told me on a pro before the program you wanted to talk (laughs) i hope you got something to talk uh, about i can talk to you about no where i got started from um pretty much 
when I was, you know, a little kid, I was raised Southern Baptist, and from I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, I always knew something was wrong. I always didn't want to go to church. You know, my parents always made me just, uh, you know, so I would do that until I was probably in the high school, and then I always would, you know, fake being asleep, you know, um, to not go, because I knew, it, I don't know, Bill, it was just something in me. I just knew there was something wrong with going to church, and and I never could understand what the preacher was always saying. So uh, I did that for years, and um, got, you know, out of high school, and, you know, I went to a, about 25 years old, I was uh, went to a independent Baptist church, and I got sucked into that uh, with their whole rules and stuff. And um, then I got away from that, and there's a, uh, a guy that I went that was at, uh, my buddy at my last job, and he always would, you know, kind of give me some verses and stuff like that. And well, the first two years, I just kind of. <sighs> It may sense, Bill, but I kind of just, you know, said, I don't know, man, you know, and I left it alone. So um, over the course of time, he would always come back and kind of try again. And then this time, it, it kind of it, it hit me, Bill. And it was just like, you know, he would give me a verse and let me study. And, you know, I, he, he taught me a different different way, I guess, than most others were taught. But, um, you know, it was from verses to different groups in Christian identity, whether they were real or fake. And he taught me that to where I would find out on my own who would, what was real and what was not. And um, so, you know, I, I've, I've studied so much uh, over the last three years. I've Each day I get stronger. And, um, like, this past year is just really um, – I really took the time to really, you know – get the truth and, and study and, and know a lot because like a lot of things has happened to me because of what I believe and um you know and I know you know about my past and, and my history about stuff and I won't go into that but just you know it, it's you no know, I, I was done wrong at work and knowing what I, I did and and you know my current job kind of things happen but um but, but my, my faith is strong I know the truth I and, and it's like I tell people, you know, people hate you, and you're not here to have friends. And um, just, it's just a blessing, because, like, I, I don't need, you know, I got my, my wife and my parents and, and just stuff like that, that, you know, that's all I need in life, you know, and, and it's just like the friends, if they're not true, and they're not going to have an open mind and listen to you and call, you, call bad names, they weren't friends to begin with. So I've uh, I've lost a lot of friends, their so-called friends, and it don't bother me one bit. Um, you know, a lot of people go out there and have a good time and and have all these friends, and to, to me, they're they're all fake. You know, because they're probably you know having fun one day, the next day they're talking about each other behind their back. You know, that's how church, um, you know, bad any kind of churches of the day do. You know, it's like I tell my wife, I say, you know, all these you know uh, people will go to church Sunday morning and then uh, talk behind their back about whether their kid, you know, got drunk or was on drugs or, you know, then they try to outdo each other with cars and dresses and suits. And <laughs> I hate that. I hate being to a, uh, uh, 
any kind of church and it's been two years now and uh, my father-in-law is a retired preacher and when me and my wife started dating I would go because of you know just he was preaching before he retired and got sick but um it, you know it, it's just one of those things and I you know my wife understands now after you no know, very baby stepped of you no know, she knows probably eighty percent about Christianity any you know I'm still you know, day by day, getting her, you know, to where I am, and she has really picked up on a lot, and it's a very blessing because a lot of people will not have a spouse that will agree with what they be- believe in. So for her to have an open mind and is open up to, you know, the truth and will take it in and 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 say, yeah, that that, that that's right, you know, and uh, so that's a blessing for me, and um, it's, it's just a little bit about my, my life. I could go into date, but I know we don't have a lot of time. But um, it's just a blessing, Bill, to be able to feel great about the truth and be able to, to talk to people. And, and yeah, you may you know, get, you know, I know I've been only for a few years, and I've seen, you know, I put my heart into it, and, I, I, and you know, and, yeah, people don't call you, you know, racist and, and all these other names, and I just smile now. You know, I used to get mad, Bill, but now I just smile, and, and you know, I'll give them a chance to prove me wrong. They, if they don't, then I just say, you no, know, bye-bye, you know, and, and just, but, you know, it, no, it's it's just a thing, you know, and it's like, um, you know, I'm just so thankful that that man, you know, that God uh, let that man, um, you know, not give up on me because I I think my life is a lot better now with knowing the truth and be able to serve him right and and because uh, I mean you know because with that other life you know I mean you, you fall in that whole all those Jewish lies and it's just crazy and 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 you know and people are following that and, and people are like. Well, if you would follow you know, the right way, you you would have kids, or you would do this, you have a better life. I don't see it that way, Bill. You know, I, I think that God has a a way for me, a journey, a path that you know whether me, uh, me and my wife will have kids or not, that's up to Him. You know, and and, and we're we're okay with that. You know, and 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 just because we don't have what people have, don't mean that we're going to be successful in 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 God's eyes. So. um you know, that ain't gonna get me down, you know. When people say that, that you're not living right, and you're not, you know, that you're, you're not gonna have kids. I, 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 that's just bullcrap, you know. That's another Jewish lie, and, and just people, that are, they're jealous, you know. I think they're jealous. They know that there's something wrong in the country, in the world, and they're so scared to even look at it. You know, Bill? And it's like, they're so scared, because they know that if they admit to things, then their life it's changed forever, and they're not willing to to sacrifice that, and and that's sad. And but uh, it takes a special, you know, an open-minded person to even listen. You know, a lot of people, these churches. I mean, they've got people so bad, Bill, that they don't want to even give you a chance to talk to them. And you know, and and they they just will shut you up right quick. You know, and I'm just like, okay, I mean. Do you do that to your preacher? You know, um, <laughs> I mean, you listen to your preacher, right? So, I mean, you gotta have an open mind on a Sunday morning. So, how can you not have an uh, open mind for other people? You know, so I mean, you no. Know, but when you say 
how you have trust in a in a man, you know, and and like you know, on Sunday mornings, I used to see this all the time. Even when I was young, I remember this. They would people would stand up, the preacher would say a couple of verses, they would sit down. <laughs> First thing people would do, they would close their Bible. They would not open them up until the next Sunday. And and, and but then there's the same people that will say, well. No, they'll say, "Well, you, you're 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 wrong, Travis. You're wrong." And I'm like, "No, uh, prove me wrong." And they're the same ones. Well, you're racist. You, you you're you're living wrong. But they're the same ones that don't know nothing about what the Bible really says. Well, well, you know, Christian identity, Travis, is a hard walk. And and think about this: you were receptive to the message of your friend in work. Even though he was feeding you little bits and pieces, you were receptive to it and and checked it out, and it still took you two years. Yep. They're, they're not even receptive, right? Right. So that that's the way it is. I mean, Christian identity, it is a lonely walk, and be prepared. Yeah, you're fortunate that your wife is is more or less agreeable to you and and is willing to. Um, cooperate and listen and and I, I don't know that she's entirely on board with Christian identity yet. I pray that she is one day and and you plan on coming here to visit us later this year so so I pray that she spends some serious time with Melissa and and she'll understand Christian identity a whole lot better I believe so so we look forward to that but that that's I, I mean I've seen Christian identity divide. A lot of marriages, and some of them permanently, where, on the other hand, a lot of people are fortunate and blessed, and we have a lot of friends, married couples, listening to to us this evening, and and, and to our podcast, so it, it can go either way. Oh, yeah, Bill. And, like, with the, uh, like you said, the, the, the young couples, like, that's something that, for me, you know, that's something that I would love to... You know, pursue and because I think you know our future is our young people because those are the ones that are making the mistakes. Those are the ones that are getting involved with niggers, Mexicans, Asians, you know, and, and and getting corrupted. So we you know we need to get to to them, you know, because you no, know, because you no, know, not you know what's happening is going to get worse, you know, and like you no, know, and I think you no, know, that's even before my first. You know, started Christian identity and, and really getting involved. You know, I was really my whole thing about getting to people was the young people, and I think that's the key to our success. And you no, know, is getting in early to way before they get you know out of school and into college with the, the liberal life. They have no chance. They get into college and they're so already corrupted by the colleges that. It's like, you know, the whole last eight years of Obama, I mean, these colleges are so liberal, and they've got these kids, you know, from the parents, you know, heading down, instead of whooping their butt, you know, they're giving them iPhones and iPads to show them up. What is that teaching our kids, Bill? Well, well, right. What is it teaching our kids? All they're learning is whoredom, adultery. Uh, I, I mean, that that's pop music and, and all of that. That That's the way it is, Travis. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, that's, that's, you know, after I really got, you know, 
the truth and really my mind focused, you know, I get more mad at our own race than I do, you know, I, I know what who our enemies are, but I, the, the white race is the ones that really get underneath my skin who are so dumb and stupid and, and, and close-minded that, you know, they, they think that, yeah, you know, I usually tell them, okay, don't even open the Bible up. Just look at the world. Open your eyes up, look at the world, and, t- and tell me that we're all the same. And, and, and I mean, Bill, I mean, without the Bible, you can tell that there are big differences. Then you take the Bible and you open it up and dissect it. Then you can put one and one together too. But I mean, I mean, to be simple with somebody, I mean, but I mean, I don't understand why people can't say that. I mean, just look at the world, look at the different people, and tell me how we act and how they act and how everything about them, their body, I know, Travis, their features. I, you know? I know it's obvious. It, it's a process that we all go through when we find Christian identity. We all go through the same process and and beat our heads against the wall because our own brethren just don't get it. I know. I don't understand it, but I mean, it, it, it's like, you know, if we would wake up and, and, and they would and just wake up and see, okay, or not wake up, just question things. You know, question things about life, That that's the first start, you know? I mean, starting, you know, don't even worry about the Bible, just question, okay, about stuff, and then you know, go to a preacher and because I mean, if you start asking a, a Jew question, a pastor about stuff, they'll kick your ass out of there. You know, I mean, it, it's just crazy. I mean, I've done it before. I mean, I've gone to probably fifty churches just to hear them, and once they they kind of get a, you know idea and just like, uh, and then they say, okay, well, what do you believe in? I'll give them a verse, and they're like, well. They'll play fiddle with me, and then I'll say, "This is what it means." And when they they know that, like it's like I have one guy. It's like, "Well, I have a meeting. Uh, oh, can you come back, or either I'll contact you through Facebook." And it's like I've had, you know, and I've worn your uh your website shirt, and I've had preachers at uh yard sales, and um I had a preacher just stare at my shirt, and his eyes like buzzed out of, of his head. And I'm just like, these, and the thing is, most of these preachers know the truth, but they're in it for the money. Yes, they are. It, even, you know, we've had um, professional clerics admit to us, at, at, and, and when I say to us, I mean to myself and, and some of my listeners who constantly try to engage in discourse with them admit to us that we were right about certain things, but that they would lose their jobs if they started to 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 accept it and to teach it. And and they, a lot of them do know, Travis. Don't be discouraged. It's a testimony against them. It simply oh, yeah. is. Travis, I would love to have you on for 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 longer, but I have Gerald Mosley waiting and and um. The program's running a little later than I hoped. I, I don't want to lose Gerald. That sounds good, Bill. So I I'm, appreciate you having me on here. Well, we're going to get on with Gerald, and, and we appreciate you because you're just on fire. You're relatively new to Christian identity. You're only um, 
listening to Christogenia for what, about a year? Yes, sir. And, and you're on fire. Don't lose your exuberance. It won't go to waste, Travis. I won't, Bill. <laughs> It'll pay off in the long run, you bet. <laughs> yes, sir. Yahweh bless. Yahweh bless. Well, Travis is an inspiration. He really is. And we're going to call Mr. Gerald Mosley. I was going to play a tape, a, a pre-recorded segment from Danny Updegraff before Gerald Mosley, because they talked about a lot of, that, that Danny spoke about a lot of the things that Gerald is going to speak about. But we will hear from Danny after we talk to Gerald. And, and that might be better in the long run. Let's see if Gerald answers his phone. You're expecting bad storms in central Louisiana. And I pray that his service holds out long for the, long enough for this conversation. Hello, Gerald. Hello. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I have some feedback. You might want to shut your computer speaker off, Gerald. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. That's okay. How about now? Well, well, I don't hear the feedback anymore, I guess. Okay, can you hear me all right? I've got you on the speakerphone. You're fine. Okay, good. You're fine. How you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Are we actually on the air yet? Well, yes, and you haven't been on a Christogenia program since maybe 2010, 2011. I, I don't well, know. Well, it's, it's been a long time, and uh, I, uh, I've missed uh, talk radio. I really enjoyed it when uh, I participated back uh, um, several years ago. and uh, It's kind of glad to be back. I know there's a lot of new people that are out there. There's some of the older folks. And of course, I'm 76 years old, and... Uh, I thought maybe after listening to Sonny and Travis uh, and their wonderful testimonies, I thought maybe uh, I might give a short testimony of uh, how I came about uh, CI and uh, some some of the other things, if uh, if that's okay. Well, well, of course that's okay. That's a wonderful thing, and and I hope you could take it as long as you want. <laughs> well, there were several things we were going to talk about. I'll try to keep. Uh, uh, everything brief, but uh, anyway, I uh, I have to say at the very beginning that uh, I was I was born in in 1940, and in 1941 I uh, contracted polio, and I was in the Shriners Hospital uh, for 14 years. And as I look back, not only during those years. But through the years uh, following, uh, all the way up to today, I can see how Yahweh has has worked and guided me through the good times and through the bad times. And I give I give credit to Him uh, for bringing me to where I am. I've already outlived uh, uh, the uh, what most polio uh, survivors uh, live, and and I'm thankful for that. But uh, I uh, started out. You, you got to understand that I was I was raised in a segregated society here in Northwest Louisiana, and uh, the only contact I had with any black people was when I saw them on the street. Uh, they didn't come to our. Uh, they didn't come to lunch rooms. They didn't come to movies. They didn't come to churches. Uh, we were in strictly a uh, segregated society. Now, they had their own uh, uh, theaters, their, their own eating places and everything else, their own schools, but we did not mix. 
And so that was the environment that I grew up in, thankfully. And I never went to school with a black uh, up until I took some college courses uh, after I had graduated. But I began to see, in the late 1950s, I began to see a change uh, here in the South, and especially Louisiana. Uh, All the southern states had governors that were very segregation-minded, and we were all under the laws uh, of segregation. And when they began to change these laws through through court uh, procedures, uh, we watched every state fall uh, uh, and 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 go into a uh, a different mode of, of of living and society. And it just literally began to break my heart. I was young, but I could see the difference. I knew there was a difference, and I think that we as Adamic white people. Uh, uh, Israelites, I think we know the, what that difference is, and we can sense it. It's in it's in our genes. And so anyway, uh, I, I watched uh, all of these bad things start to happening uh, uh, to to Louisiana and, and to and and to our traditions and everything else. And we be- began to get under attack. We were under attack through the. Uh, uh, television, of course, television wasn't real big uh, in the 50s, but uh, the movies and, and everything else, we became uh, under attack. And Reconstruction never ended here in the South. As a matter of fact, we're still under Reconstruction today. And it's to destroy us, our heritage, our culture, our way of life, because I believe, as a Southerner, I believe we probably are closer to the uh, Israelite uh, uh, teachings and beliefs than maybe some of the rest of the country is. And we're hated uh, because of our culture and and because of our race. Uh, And, of course, we're not alone. There are people throughout the country that are white and good people. But they particularly hate the South. And you can see it now as the destruction of our monuments and everything else. Uh, They're trying to destroy us. And uh, uh, it, it's just real sad. But I, I didn't know anything about, uh, of course, back in those days, we didn't call it CI. We called it uh, uh, Israel Identity. And I didn't know anything about identity. I started out learning about the conspiracy. And uh, that's that's an interesting story, but I won't go into that. But anyway, I, it was during that time that uh, I was working at a uh, Americanism forum in Shreveport, uh, where they was, you know, putting out little nice uh, Americanism uh, uh, traits and all that sort of thing. Uh, and, of course, back in those days, you didn't dare mention the three-letter word Jew. Uh, even in the Citizens Council uh, uh, of Louisiana and the rest of the southern states, uh, that was a, kind of a taboo subject. Uh, now, there were some that knew and would, would teach, but for the most part, you, if you mentioned Jew, you was out. Now, the Americanism Forum. How how is that not a reconstruction type of form? I, I mean, Americanism, right? It, it's well, it was just strictly Americanism, and actually, uh, some of the people that that formed that little little uh, it was kind of a uh, I don't know it it it, it was not a, a club or anything. It was just kind of a uh, organization promoting uh, Americanism ideals. But they they were really formed by the. Uh, uh, members of the John Birch Society, 
And, of course, we had the nine uh, candles uh, that we promoted, uh, the nine books that, that, that the uh, John Birch Society promoted. And we had those in there, and we had a lot of other things. But anyway, uh, I got a telephone call while I was working there one day, and this fellow said, look, said, uh, there's a woman in town that is preaching that she's, uh, uh, she's a Jew and that we're all Jews. And I thought, well, wow, you know. And so uh, anyway, I decided, uh, I asked him if I could, if I could uh, have her number. I'd love to talk to her. And so I did, and I called her, and her name was Alice Browning, one of the sweetest ladies, my first teacher I ever had. And uh, I told her I'd love to meet her and talk with her, and and so she said, come right over. So I did, and uh, she sat me down, and uh, we wound up having a Bible study with her five children, all freckle-faced, red-headed people, and you know what they were. And so uh, we had a Bible study, and she started teaching me uh, the uh, about the twelve tribes and, and the division and the uh, uh, the whole st- history of it in about an hour and a half. And I'd never heard anything like that before. So anyway, uh, it was interesting because it kind of paralleled a little bit with my conspiracy studies. And so uh, that was my first contact. And later on, uh, I uh, had the pleasure of listening to uh, Swift and Comparay on the radio live. You know, I am 76 years old. This is way back yonder. And they were live. And uh, I heard a lot of things. I didn't understand it. But uh, it kind of registered a little bit, and I decided that I would start studying a little bit of the Bible. I'd never really read the Bible before. And that's how I got started. And uh, as I began to learn, uh, I found that uh, uh, Christian identity uh, or the Israel message, Israelite message, uh, corresponds with history just like a glove. And um, uh, that was the missing link that that, that I had. I, I, I couldn't quite tie everything in uh, when I was studying history until I came across the Israel identity uh, message, and then it all began to fit together, and I could understand the who's, and and I could put names on the faces of the, of these uh, faceless people that we could talk about, but we couldn't mention who they were or what what they were, and so uh, I just began to grow uh, uh, through the years, and of course, uh, you know, I came across uh, so many of the people that uh, Sonny mentioned. And uh, then, of course, Eli and, and you and uh, some of the others. And uh, I, I really I really learned, and, and as I began to grow, I think Yahweh gave me the, the, an extra measure of, of knowledge that he, he gives everyone, uh, the Adamic people. And uh, I began to catch on more and more. And so uh, that's where I, I am and where I came from. And... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thankful. So much of what you read earlier, uh, before you began taking calls, uh, really uh, was significant uh, to me because as I as I lived my life and and seen all the things that I saw, everything that you was 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 preaching on, I witnessed happening right before my eyes, and it literally broke this old man's heart to see all of our traditions, all the things that 
that we have and love all being destroyed. And then I realized uh, uh, that it, it's Yahweh's plan. You know, he, it's a tearing down process, and we've got to go through it. And unlike all these church people, uh, you know, they're all, they don't really care because they're all going to be raptured away. They're not sure where they're going. And that some of them don't even know when they're coming back. Some say three and a half years. Some say seven years. And uh, I'm wondering, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that always made a, uh, was curious to me is if I were one of these raptured people and I was raptured away, and I went up there, wherever that is, and I lived on these streets of gold and these mansions and had all these wonderful, wonderful things that uh, Christians visualize heaven to be. And then later on, seven years or whenever, God said, okay, boys, it's time to go back home now. you got to go back to the earth. You know, how would I feel? Uh, I wouldn't want to leave that, that, that magnificent lifestyle to come back down here on earth and go through a tribulation. But these church people don't understand that. And I've uh, I've attended several of the denominational, uh, denominational churches here in this area uh, over the last, uh, I guess, two and a half years because of my physical situation. And uh, I've had to sit there and grit my teeth and listen to all of the teachings, the falsehood teachings that these people do. And the the, peop, the the they sit in the congregations and they just eat that stuff up. But it's all about love, 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 and it, it's not really what is going to happen. It, it, you know that they're looking for um, they're looking for heaven up somewhere. They don't realize that it may be here on earth. But anyway, um, well, I, well, I, I mean, I saw the same thing, Gerald, growing up in Jersey City as a child, which is the least likely of all places, but at one time, Jersey City had large homogenous white communities in, in the 1960s, and in the early 70s, they were all broken up by Negroes and, and Latinos, um, various flavors of Caribbean mongrels, and, and, and Jersey City was destroyed before my eyes, and white girls were running off with, with, with every sort of beast un, under the sun. So, so even though it didn't have as large and, and as um, old and as embedded a white culture as central Louisiana, it still had a pretty homogenous white culture that was destroyed. So, so I, I, I know exactly how you feel, and, and I'm sure that your feelings are probably magnified because the white culture in Louisiana was um, a lot more consciously white than the white culture in New Jersey. Well, I th uh, yes, I, I agree with you there. Uh, but anyway, uh, I tell you, uh, it, it, I might mention, I think uh, you and I have talked a little bit about David Duke, and I have a little uh, a little uh, information about him and, and, and the, in the early days, if you might be interested in me mentioning that. Well, well, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk more about George Lincoln Rockwell first or, or some of your other experiences, be my guest. But we Lincoln can... Rockwell, uh, I had the, of course, back in those days, uh, in the 60s, uh, George Lincoln Rockwell was, was not a uh, very favorable subject for people to talk about because uh, he was very controversial. 
uh, he went out. He went after the Jews, and uh, he made no mention about it. He 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 talked. Uh, he had meetings around uh, the country. You know, he was a professor at Brown University and a very respected individual. And then suddenly, uh, you know, he uh, for whatever reason, I guess he he learned the truth or whatever, and he decided to go out and uh, make a stand. And so he had his hate buzz. And he would drive that hate bus around, and he'd have a, a few young people that he, he called his stormtroopers with him. And, of course, they'd dress up in their brown uniforms and everything, and uh, play the, they played the role. And, uh, but what he was after was uh, he was after publicity. He wanted, because the news media just ran after him everywhere because he was a novelty, and uh, they used him to scare the Jews in order to collect more money from the Jews. Uh, it, it, that's what they did back in those days. I think they still do it. Uh, they collect a lot of money from the Jews, uh, from their own uh, kinsmen, for their own particular reasons. But anyway, uh, he uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, he came to Shreveport uh, in a secret meeting, <laughs> and it was in the 60s, and uh, it was actually uh, mostly John Birch uh, members, rich, uh, they were rich uh, professional people, a lot of them were oral people and whatnot, and they had brought George Lincoln Rockwell to Shreveport uh, to a private home and a private meeting, and I was fortunate enough to be invited and because of my activities, and so I, I, I jumped at it. Uh, uh, a friend in, uh, of mine and I went, and uh, I wanted to hear what this man had to say. And so he came out, uh, after being introduced, he came out, and there was this tall, good-looking, stately-looking man, uh, and he had uh, two, two uh, young fellas, uh, uh, blonde-headed boys, uh, in their uniforms with him. And I tell you, that man, uh, he really was a professor. He gave one of the best speeches I've ever heard. And everything he said was down to earth and correct. He was not a hater. Uh, uh, he explained about why he used the hate bus and what it was for. It was for publicity and, and to get recognition. And uh, he, like in his speech uh, when he went back to Brown University and they, they finally let him speak uh, to, a, to a group, and he told them that uh, he was after the young white boys that uh, some of them were on the street, some of them were uh, homeless and whatnot, because they were the ones that would get out in the streets and fight. When they learned the truth, they would march and do much of what the, uh, the uh, black life miners and all that group uh, nowadays do. They, of course, they're all being paid to do all that. But uh, uh, that's why he used them to do that and I was just thoroughly impressed with him and then of course uh, he was running for a major office uh, I think he was running in Virginia and if or if memory serves me correct he was actually running for governor and uh, there was a good chance he was picking up steam like you wouldn't believe uh, like George Wallace uh, had done and they knew they had to kill him because he had a persona about him and a knowledge that he could win over anyone. Uh, when he spoke to, in Brown University, uh, at the, 
he everybody in that uh, auditorium mostly was against him. They booed him. They were mostly students and and professors and whatnot. And down at the at the very uh, front row, they had brought all these Jews in. As supposedly they were uh, 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 veterans from World War Two and whatnot. And uh, they all sat in a row and they yelled and screamed and booed him. And he got out, he came out there and he kept talking over them. And by the time he had finished his speech. Uh, they had booed these uh, uh, veterans, these Jew veterans. They had booed them out of the auditorium, and they gave him a standing ovation. Wow! Now these were college kids that was totally against it, and that's that's the charisma he had, and that scared the devil out of those who in the control in government, and that's why he was shot and killed. Supposedly and by George one of Wallace, his own men. Sir? Supposedly by one of his own men or his own associates. Well, you know, yeah, uh, Huey P. Long was supposedly shot by God knows who, you know, a, a bodyguard or something. But uh, the CIA has the ability to kill anybody they want to, uh, whether it's the President of the United States or, uh, or anyone else. And uh, George Wallace was, uh, I'd met George Wallace back in those days. I worked real hard for him. Uh, for president, and uh, uh, we were <laughs> uh, we were in there when Kennedy was shot. We was uh, in a citizens council uh, a workshop, and we were sending out uh, uh, the counselor, which was a newspaper for the state uh, Louisiana citizens council, and we were sending that thing out to all over the United States about a, about a thousands of issues. And we had this stamp that we used on the return envelope for people to, to uh, uh, cut the coupons and send money back. And we stamped it, Stop Kennedy Now. And we were, we were in the process of mailing those things out when Kennedy was shot. And uh, that was kind of, we got scared about that. We stopped that real quick. But George Wallace, uh, he was winning primaries, state primaries, and they were not in the South. They were in the North. He was winning these Democratic primaries in the North. Hadn't even run in the South. And he would have been elected president had they not shot him. So, you know, uh, anyone that's really legitimate that tries to run for an office in this country is not going to be allowed to if they know the truth and they're trying to fight for the truth. Now, you can, you know, you can, I, I voted for Trump, and, you know, I hope good things and and all, but, you know, when you're when you're in bed uh, with a bunch of dogs with fleas, uh, you know, you're going to have fleas on you. And uh, what scares me about Trump is the fact that uh, he is in the billionaire club with a lot of our friends, and um, and you know who I'm talking about. And so, you know, I, I worry about what they're doing, their programs and everything, because everything I see coming out of Washington right now is to is to put more money in, into the hands of these financiers and everybody else. And uh, I don't see a lot of it trickling down to folks like us that really need the help. And so that, that scares me a little bit. But anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's all I'll say about... Uh, uh, about Rockwell, I, I just think he was a fine patriot. He was sincere, and uh, that's why they killed him. Well, that's enlightening, Gerald, and that's also edifying. Thank you. 
Let, let's move on to David Duke. Well, okay. Uh, well, I, uh, <laughs> I, of course, you've already heard this story, but I'll tell it anyway. Well, I'm always... I'm Sorry? always ch- I'm always chasing after David Duke for his position, his wrong know, position on the Bible. You got to understand that back when I first met David Duke, uh, David Duke was a young man, and uh, he was he was impressionable. He uh, was uh, excited about policy picks. Uh, he promoted a. Uh, he was big in the Republican Party of Louisiana. Matter of fact, uh, I worked real hard in it too. We we uh, uh, we were able to get it on uh, the ballot uh, the, uh, throughout the state in the various parishes, and we almost elected a Republican governor, uh, Charlton Lyons, and uh, but he didn't win, but he came close, and that was unusual for a Democratic uh, state like Louisiana was. So anyway, uh, he was very, uh, uh, he worked hard, uh, he appeared to be honest, uh, and uh, he was very, very interested in, in, in uh, state politics. And so anyway, I had um, seen his book, uh, My Awakening, and uh, he, had a, uh, he had a facsimile of a, uh, a magazine, the National Geographic magazine, that... Uh, uh, I think it was 1907 or 1909, and uh, he was telling about it because this magazine, uh, which was not a, a hate magazine at all, was telling about the, some of the Jewish uh, involvement in the Russian Revolution, the first one, uh, the 1905 Revolution. And it was telling about how it was all Jew-run and everything, and he, he so he had that in his book. And So I, anyway, I, I got in touch with him through email, and I asked him, uh, number one, uh, if he had re- wrote the book, uh, whether he had a ghostwriter. And uh, I told him, I said, I had an original uh, of that magazine in my library. And, and so that was, in about 30 or 40 minutes, uh, he co- contacted me back and uh, uh, assured me that he did, he did write his book, that he did not have a ghostwriter. And he did not believe me that I had an original of this of this uh, magazine because it's extremely extremely rare. So I, I made a uh, I made a photo and sent it to him to, to show that I actually had it, and that was how we met. But we had met uh, other times uh, when he was running for, for offices and things. Uh, uh, he had a big uh, rally in Bossier City, Louisiana, and uh, it was an uh, a building that had over 700 uh, capacity, and he filled that uh, twice. Uh, he almost he almost won senator. He ran for for United States senator, and he almost won it. And then he, he I think he ran for governor, but he, he didn't he didn't I think he came in third. Um, there was a big smear against him and everything. And back in those days, uh, we you know we thought he was only up and up. Uh, we didn't know that he was going to turn out to be uh, what he turned out to be. And uh, which was a womanizer and 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 possibly a crook and everything else. He he went over to uh, Europe and got in trouble over there, and uh, he had some real uh, real bad things that he was uh, attached to uh, here in this country. So uh, I lost my respect for David Duke. I hadn't I hadn't talked to him in many years now, and have no desire to. But he he he's a because he was mixed up with. Uh, with uh, Don Black and some of that group, and uh, uh, I, I questioned whether or not he was really um, 
on the up and up or whether he was a, a an agent or what he was. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. I know Bill Bill has a lot more information on that now. Uh, but uh, that was my dealings with David Duke. And I'm sorry that he turned out the way he did because I, I thought he was a up-and-up uh, fella. He was wanting to, to get into state politics and, and possibly run the state. And, you know, and it's that's, incredible. That's what happened in Louisiana. But anyway... Now, uh, now, David Duke, he must have known James Warner. Well, I I don't know if... I don't think James Warner uh, was a, a David Duke... Uh, uh, supporter that much. Uh, uh, James was pretty smart. Uh, he, I had met him uh, several times and had gone down there, and a lot of my library came from uh, uh, Dr. Warner's uh, uh, personal library. And, uh, I, of course, uh, uh, James Warner was uh, was a Christian identity. He he, uh, he knew the whole thing, and uh, he put out his magazine, his, uh, what a magazine, it was a newspaper, and he put it out, and he put a lot of things in, in there about Christian identity and, of course, the Jewish conspiracy and everything. But I don't know that he was a supporter of David Duke. Uh, do you, Bill? Do you think so? I, I don't know if he was a supporter, but but I thought that you might be able to link the two in a relationship. I, I'm, I'll be playing a, um, a recording, a pre-recorded segment after you're done here with Danny Uptograff, who is um, Christian Identity since 1972, and, and he, knew both, he, he and his father knew both James Warner and David Duke, and I think Danny links the two, at least that they knew each other. I, I can't imagine David Duke not accepting at least the, um, the Jewish equation of, of the Christian Identity message what, which shows that the Jews are not the Israelites of the Old Testament, it, if he had all this testimony, and he did have the testimony, and he still rejects it until this day. And that's just, that that leads me to believe that you are right, Gerald, that David Duke is not on the up and up. Well, you see, there at the, at the early beginnings uh, of our relationship, uh, we talked about identity and uh David Duke, uh, to the best of my recollection, he he mentioned that he actually supported it and and believed it. And then when uh, I saw him come out against it in his book, uh, I was real surprised because that was a uh, uh, that was a complete turnaround as far as I was concerned. Right, and, and I don't know I don't know how, uh, who got to him or what made him change, but I, I believe that he understood. The uh, the message uh, when he when he first got started, uh, I, I'm almost positive that he uh, supported it. Well, that's that that your testimony, Gerald, is invaluable, and I thank you very much for it. I, I really do. If, if there's anything else you would like to discuss, feel free. I don't want to I don't want to hog the program, Bill. I, I've probably already said more than what I should have, but uh, I, I just. Uh, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I'll end on this. Uh, it, it breaks my heart to see how our people are so dumbed down and ignorant uh, as to uh, what's happening and going on and everything. They, uh, uh, I, I blame the churches for a lot of it, and uh, uh, you, you know, we just we're losing. And, and of course, it, it goes back to if my people. 
you know, we we are uh, we're lost. And uh, as as someone said earlier, you know, it's not. Well, I think it was you. It's not what I do personally that brings uh, heartache and misery and pain and suffering to me. It's what our 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 race has done. It's what it's what uh, the Israelite people have done. Right. And and that's what we're that's what we're being punished for. Yes. But of course, I know, as you know, and I hope everybody else that's listening knows, we win in the end. Well, yes, we and, do. And uh, you know, Israel uh, wins in the end, and. Uh, uh, there are a lot of people that want to damn a lot of us to to hell and fi- and damnation, but I believe that you know it says not one one seed will be lost, that every knee will bow. Absolutely. And, and of course they're talking about Israelites. Yes, sir. And I think you believe that. Is that not correct? Absolutely. All Israel will be saved. Some of us will be saved harder than others. Some of us. But, you will... know, we have a we have a friend down here. You've met a mutual friend, and I, I'll name him. He won't care. But uh, Fulton, you know, he always used to say when in our Bible study uh, that we had here in the house that he didn't care that you know if he could just slide under that gate before it slammed. Uh, he'd be thrilled to death. He'd be, they'll, he'd dig latrines and everything else <laughs> if he could just be in the in the kingdom, and he knew that he was going to be in the kingdom. Yes. And uh, I used to uh, find that rather interesting when when he'd say that he was a fine he's a fine man. Uh, everybody ought to ought to know Fulton. Well, well, Fulton Jones is is how old? Seventy eight years old. Seventy six yeah, years old. He's uh, I think he's a couple of years maybe older than me. And and Not he much. was his home was flooded out last year. And, oh, and yeah. I well, encouraged he him. Everything. He lost everything. I tried to encourage him to take it easy and just take the insurance money and plop it double wide down. He just finished building his own house. Sure did. Sure did. Well, he's of uh, the old school. And, uh, you know, he lives down there with the alligators and everything else. And so, you know, uh, he's he's. I used to refer to him as the Grizzly Adams of Louisiana. And... Uh, uh, that was a compliment, and uh, but anyway, he he's one of the dying breed. You know, I will. I want to mention one other thing before I quit. You know, what scares me more than anything else in the world when I look at these young people, and even generations of thirties and forties, they, I know they're exceptions, but as a group, they know very little about anything. And if, uh, you know, if they, if we really get into a very serious situation, a lot of them are not going to know what to do. They're not going to be able to, to survive. They won't be able to uh, build anything they need. They don't know how. Right. They know how to play those video games, though. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, uh, it's, it's gonna, it's real sad to see the, uh, how we have degenerated. Uh, and of course, people in the South are supposed. You know, we're supposed to be the ones that know how to survive and and uh, do all the things. Of course, we do. A lot of we know how to fish and hunt and trap and all that sort of thing. But the young people are not picking that up, even here in the South. They don't know. You know, the old, you mean I got to put that worm on that hook? You know, they're scrimmage. And uh, it's sad because uh, I know there's a day coming when. Uh, we're going to need to know how to survive. And so uh, 
if we don't, if some of these people out there don't know how to survive, they better they better take a quick survival course because the day's coming. Strip bare naked. What we're 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 only going to have in the end. I, I mean, we suffer for the consequences of our personal sin. I, I don't want to give people the wrong expression, but we all suffer, whether we are, are as individuals are sinners or not. We all suffer the consequences of our national sin, and and un, until we turn to Christ, and and the people that follow um, men like David Duke are never going to understand this. Until we turn to Christ and repent of our national sin. What we're never going to, we're just going to be punished and punished and punished. And, and this situation we're in is going to get worse and worse and worse. Correct. Well, look, I, I, I appreciate the, the time, and I hope I haven't bored anyone. And thank you, Bill, and uh, I, I will be, uh, I'll be around. Well, Gerald, you're a gem, and thank you, and we hope to have you again someday soon. Maybe we'll talk about the South. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm going to, um, and, and this program's far from over, I'm going to play a pre-recorded segment from a friend in Ireland that I'm truly blessed with because Daniel Updegraff has a testimony very similar to that of Gerald Mosley's, even though Danny was raised in California, and today he lives in Ireland. He was a member of Colonel William Gale's Christian Identity Church. And he had much the same experience with David Duke that Gerald Mosley had. So we're going to listen to Danny for 23 minutes, just about, this recording. And after that, we have our good friend Don Fox, who I just heard from. Here's Danny. Okay, we have our longtime friend, Danny Updegraff here. Danny's been a friend of Clifton Emmerheiser's for quite a few years, and, and I don't remember when I met Danny exactly, but it wasn't long after I got out of prison that, that he got in touch with me and we began to communicate. Hello, Danny. It's great to see you. Hey, hello. How you doing there, Bill? Okay. I, I thought it would be really um, great to have you on the program this evening, especially since we'll be talking to Gerald Mosley a little later. And and right. you've been around um, Christian identity circles forever. Can you tell us something about that? You, your father, your brother? Well, yeah, well, we um, it was through my father first. Uh, my dad was always active in campaigns and everything, and I believe it was the John Smith campaign that uh, he met a woman that went by the name of Busy B and she got, uh, she attended uh, Bill Gale's uh, church up in Glendale, California back in the early 70s and she's the one that uh, would gave the identity message to my dad and then my dad came home and, and uh, the next week went up to the church met Bill Gale and came back that Sunday and that was about 1972, I think, April 72, and said, uh, I met, I met a man who put the whole prospect, uh, uh, the problems of the world all in the one box there. He says, I figured the whole thing out. He said, I said, what are you talking about? He says, uh, Christian identity. 
And I said, well, I was never really into Christianity because of all the race mixing and everything you saw at school. I was always against that. And uh, anyway, he said, you need to go up there and to this church with me next week and and uh, let me introduce you to uh, William William Gale and uh, listen to him. So the next uh, week I went up and uh, listened to his sermon, who I believe it was the one, Who is Israel? And uh, that just seemed like it put everything together. I, I could understand the reason why I felt the way I did about about uh, the other races and race mixing and all that kind of stuff, that, that I was right in the way, the way I believed. So, and then uh, we, we got pretty much involved in the church. Uh, my whole family, we all attended, most of us attended the church, except my, maybe my older brother. He didn't, he was kind of off on the side there. So, anyway, so, that's so how we started. 1972, Wesley Swift was already deceased, but Bertrand Compré was still around for a long time. Right. Yeah. Did you get to see, did you get to yeah. see Compré? Yes. Yes. I attended his church down in San Diego, oh, probably about four times. Four times. So you've been. With, uh, my mom and dad and, and uh, uh, my uh, future stepmother, her aunt, uh, was involved in that, too, or I got to meet her. Um, so there was kind of a crowd of us. that. I imagine least, you were a couple of years younger than me, but 1972, you might be a couple of years older. I was only 11 years old in 72. Yeah, 72, I, I was about 16. Okay. okay, I always thought you were a few years younger than me for some reason. No. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I do. I think it's a compliment, but well, anyway. well your, your father did get involved after he at after um your involvement in Bill Gale's church, your father did stay involved in, in nationalist politics for a long time, right? Oh yeah. And you've told me many times because this is always of, of interest to um to our listeners, and and you could probably edify the situation greatly. I'm always complaining about a certain nationalist figure, David Duke, and and um, how he it is so reluctant or, or has abjectly rejected the Christian identity message. And I hope to speak about that later tonight with Gerald Mosley, who yes. is actually from Louisiana, but. Perhaps you can tell us, because you've told me before, your experience and, and your father's experience with David Duke and Christian. Yeah, we, uh, we met David Duke. Uh, met through David Duke through Jim Warner. Jim Warner was the editor of a Christian Vanguard uh, a newspaper, uh, a right-wing newspaper, right-wing conservative identity uh, uh paper that Jim Warner put out. He, he was up in West Hollywood, or not West Hollywood, but uh, uh, North Hollywood. He was from North Hollywood. And uh, we used to distribute his paper. I used to pass or distribute his paper. And we met uh, David Duke, um, I think that was a few years later, 1975. He came to our house uh, several times um, for a visit and other things that we participated in dinner and and ceremonies and stuff like that uh 
And then also my dad would take him. Now, I remember my dad speaking to David Duke about the identity message. Uh, one one day in particular, he, David Duke was going on, there was a radio talk show host there called Michael Jackson, this Jew, British Jew. And uh, David Duke was going to uh, debate him. Uh, he was going to interview David Duke. And I remember my dad mentioning to him about, uh, don't forget to bring up about the, about the Israel identity message. And, and if any time you get cornered by this guy, because Michael Jackson uh, was noted at the time as being one of the, one of the, you know, silver tongues of the, of the radio media. And um, so my dad said, if he tries to corner and everything, uh, Connor back with the Talmud and and um, uh, experts from the Talmud and and see if you know you can get them that way there, or bring it up about Christian identity that the white race or you know the, the twelve tribes of Israel and that type of stuff. I did not attend. I did not attend the the. Uh, uh, the uh, radio shows what my father did and he said David Duke used to do really well uh, especially when he started talking about the Talmud and stuff like that and so it did help him a little bit but but uh, he never he never said anything back to my dad about questioning about the 12 tribes or about uh, white race being Israel or anything nothing like that I spoke to him myself about it I wrote to him about it and never, never answered me. So I don't know why, but he has this, he has this belief from what I have read, what he has written, that, uh, that there are good Jews and there are, uh, you know, that they are the people of the book. Um, and I, I could never accept, uh, that type, his opinion on that. But he will. He would never. I tried to counter him a few times, but he would never talk. He would never uh, uh, counter me, or never question me, or anything. So, well, well, that's good to hear because I've been trying to challenge David Duke for a couple of years now for his position on the scripture. A, a lot of people that that I know or that I'm familiar with or friends with, a lot of um, people like David Duke, and even if they disagree with him. Uh, about identity in scripture and I've been trying to reach him and a lot of my my, my listeners have tried to challenge right. David Duke on Twitter, on Facebook and and he just ignores me and, and he doesn't want to hear about the Bible he, right. he sets himself up as an expert on history and, and I'm, I'm sure about biblical history I could run circles around him he won't even discuss it I don't know if he feels threatened by it or, or if he just thinks that what we are ridiculous but we have our documentation and he right. won't even discuss it I've always been disappointed by that because the ultimate um, the, the ultimate Achilles tendon to the Jew is to challenge his identity and, and right. to prove yeah. and it can be proven that they are not the people of the Old Testament why wouldn't you use that if you claim to withstand Jewish power and, and right. Jewish I mean, I I have to say I like David Duke. I mean, I've always liked him. He was always a very nice guy and and everything when I I met him. Um, but he, um, I don't know. He got uh, he got 
he got pretty big in his position. And I don't know, I, I really disagree with him. He going over to Iran and all this kind of stuff and mixing with these people. And I think that has a lot to do, in my opinion, that I, that his, uh, that David Duke has the, the way he believes in the Bible. I think it has a lot to do with, or, or doesn't believe in the Bible. There's a lot to do with he mixing with, with these other races, like the Iranians and all that stuff. Right. You can't, you know, one thing that I remember Reverend Gale would say, is you can't be in the middle of the road. You either if you either take one side or the other because the only thing in the middle of the road is the yellow line or dead skunks. And that's <laughs> and it. That's how, that, <laughs> right. That's and absolutely. Gail was true. right about that, and that's our problem: is we've been so brainwashed into this uh, multiculturalism that uh, we really white people really feel, oh, we got to take care of all these other races. And all these other races are are just sponging off us. They, they, they depend on us. We don't need them. So and that's when I think uh, where David Duke, he can't draw the line. I think that's the reason why he doesn't want to, in my opinion, he doesn't want to get involved in Christian identity because it's, you have to draw the line there. So, Well, unless you're in the Eli James camp, yes, you have to draw the line. <laughs> Everything's black and white when you're not an 85 percenter. <laughs> well, I think it's a, it's the the price is right <laughs> with, with Eli. I think it's the price is right. It's like Bill Clinton. You know, I heard that Bill Clinton would walk into a room with gun rights people. He was all for guns. You know, he'd go in the other room with uh, anti-gun people. He was anti-gun. Whatever, whatever floated his boat. Right. So, right. Anyway. The, the 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 natural politician. Well, well, it's it, it's been. If there's anything else you want to talk about, you're more than welcome. But it's wonderful to have you here. Yeah, well, it's it's wonderful to be here. <laughs> it's wonderful that I really appreciate all your work and everything you've done, Bill, over all these years. And uh, uh, it's just you know, it's a it's a growing uh, it's a growing um, study the Bible and Christian identity. We learn new things all the time. Uh, I really hope David Duke uh, sits down sometimes and uh, starts asking questions. So uh, there's nothing wrong. I mean, we don't know everything. I don't know everything. Well, well, People right. come along with ideas and and teachings and stuff. You look into it and see whether you believe it's right or wrong. And I think that David Duke needs to needs to put it all together because this is the once you learn your idea. ID identity, and you have an idea of this of this world. You understand what's going on. You under, you can put it all together. Then you, you can understand the problems we have uh, in this world. And Christian identity, I believe, it exposes this thing, and it's crystal clear. What you know, you're either on the right side or the wrong side. You're either a goat or you're a sheep. Well, well, I I really. I really appreciate friends like you, Danny, because too many old-timers actually despise me for being an upstart and, and for changing things that Swift and Gale and Compare said. But when I see it as only f further study and improvement on our message, we shouldn't be afraid to study further. Right. To learn more. Well, I think that's good, and that's another thing, too, I believe you help a lot of people with, too. Uh, you, you got me... Digging and searching and reading and looking up things. And this is what we always have to do. We don't know everything. 
And uh, I, I just, I remember uh, hearing uh, tapes with Swift saying that uh, we do need, <laughs> we do need the, the mistranslations and stuff taken out of our Bible and a more decent Bible along that line. So we need another Bible and that your Christian, uh, Christogania Bible, that's, uh, I think it's one of the best on the market you can, you can give to anybody for a gift or whatever. I think that's a great accomplishment in Christ's right. So, I mean, there's a lot to this message, putting everything together. And then you've got, uh, the scene with, um, People that they don't want to believe in Adolf Hitler, and uh, and I have to say that you helped me uh, in that uh, historical part of of uh, <clears throat> that time period. I mean, I, I'm a son. I'm a son of a, a veteran. Uh, my dad fought in Korean War or in the World War II against the Japanese, but he always uh, told me. He said there was just something wasn't right about that that the German people really love this man. And, uh, you know, that kind of, that kind of put an idea in my head years back. But I think what it was with the Christian identity people is, is worshiping Hitler instead of Yahshua. But when you come to understand it and you read that history, you know, you don't, uh, it's not that at all. He's uh, um, the man was one of the greatest heroes of, of the 20th century, and he gave everything to save his people. So, well, there's nothing. Right, that's absolutely true. A, a lot of um, the older American Christian identity adherents and all of the British Israel people, that they're all Anglophiles. They all love and, and stand up for the American... English establishment and and or their American patriots and and for that they despise Hitler and the evil Nazis without um, stepping outside of the box and taking an objective look at Adolf Hitler that they, they refuse to do that they're caught up in their own patriotism and and that that's wrong as far as I'm concerned British Israel ex what was British Israel developed a theology which upheld the British Empire, that their dominion theology, and, and look at where that got them. It fell apart that you'd think they would take a second look at it now, and they refused to. It, it's crazy to me. Adolf Hitler was a great Christian and, and tried to do the noble thing by freeing his people from the clutches of the international Jew. And America and England were, were whores for the international Jew and destroyed Germany for that reason. We should own up to our sin and look at things objectively. And, and right. I, you know, I'm a lot more English in my blood than I am a German, right? I'm only a quarter German, and, and mm -hmm. I'm half English and a quarter Irish. I, I, if I had allegiance, it would be to English and English-speaking people, right? Yeah. It, it's, it, it's not a matter of, of my blood. It's not a matter of my citizenship. We have to step outside of the box as Christians and, exactly. and look at things objectively, I have that mind comp site, which has been despised by many people in Britain and, and even in America for many years. Even Eli James despised it when we worked together. <laughs> oh, really? he, he despised that site. He hated it. And, 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 um, he would never mention it. He was embarrassed by it. And, and I don't care. That site is, is up there, not because I worship Adolf Hitler, but because right. Adolf Hitler worshiped Jesus Christ. 
and and exactly. built built his his Germany on Christian principles, and all I want to do is tell the truth about history. That's all I want. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I I sent away for these uh, CDs newsreel history of the Third Reich. You know, Third Reich at war. And this one here, number four, I believe it was. There's at the end of this second. Well, it's it shows here. Uh, shows Hitler talking, Goebbels talking, and you can't get anything. You can't sit there and say there's like on my notes here. There's no doubt under Hitler that Germany was a very was a great Christian nation. There's no doubt about it on these newsreels and everything. They talking about Jesus or talking about the uh, uh, Christianity and, and saving their nation and God is God is going to help them help us uh, in our struggle you know to be free from from uh, this bondage that's coming I mean it's it's all through their newsreels and everything and and, and you uh, just sent me uh, I mean it, I say just but it was actually three or four months ago. And and to me, time is relative. I'm kind of busy, but I will get yeah. them. You just sent me an entire collection of those newsreels to try to put online, and, and eventually. Well, I just they they have so much information like that. You know, I I'll have to shoot you some emails over and tell you right where you can look, so you don't have to go through all of them. To that's what I'm doing right now and writing down all the information. But there's so much evidence in there about Germany being Christian. There's no doubt in my mind I, that uh, they weren't uh, that Hitler uh, was uh, anything else but a good Christian man. I mean, how much money did he did he accumulate while he was in office? A lot of people don't see stuff like that. You know, he, he died he died with nothing. He didn't. Uh, he was a man that was very humble. He used to, he used to uh, sew his own socks. Well, we like never that, hear you know? about. Well, we never hear about Hitler's bank accounts. That's for sure. Yeah, or, nothing. Or, or his overseas holdings, or anything like that. Nothing, because he didn't. He did, They didn't. You know, that wasn't a big deal with them. Not they broke. They, they, it's a fant He's fantastic. I think. I I really get upset now when I hear people calling calling him names, you know. And I know a lot of the veterans don't like that, but but um, all they have to do is look into it and see, you know, look into it. I took time to do it. They should take time to do it. Well, well, and, unlike David Duke, Adolf Hitler never thought that Jesus was a Jew. Right. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, well, I I think like I said, you know, I always I always admire David Duke and his debating skills and getting on TV with some of these top Jews and and trying to take them to the bank. But you, the Jew thing is one thing, but you got to understand where you come from. Well, well, yeah, David Duke. I, I mean, he did great against Alex Jones. I thought he did wonderful and and really thrashed his his dumbass, but. David Duke is wrong on the Old Testament, and as long as he's wrong on the Old Testament, he's actually helping the Jews. Right, yeah. And and that's just the bottom line. He may not realize it, but he's helping them. He's legitimizing right. them and, and the identity they claim to have. It's so easy to see that the Old Testament is a book for farmers. It's a, it, it's mm -hmm. a pastoral, agricultural society. 
in the Old Testament, yes. and the Jews have never been no, agricultural no, right. or pastoral. They you know, I like to ask Duke. I mean, <clears throat> if the Old Testament's so so bad and the New Testament's good or whatever, you believe? Well, how come the Book of Hebrews is in the New Testament? What does that tell you? <laughs> because the Old Testament's like the New Testament to the same people, right? That the yeah. um, if the Old Testament was a Jewish book, then there would never have been a, a command that the stores would be closed on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that there's a. I have several uh, me, several verbal memes concerning the Old Testament and and the Jews that 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 showed that the the Old Testament certainly is not a Jewish book once you look at it objectively it can't possibly be a Jewish book it has none of the Jewish spirit in it and and, mm-hmm. and except for the the parts about the Canaanites because that's who the Jews really are Danny right. I, I really appreciate you being here and and hey. that this will be priceless My pleasure thank you Yahweh bless Yahweh bless you too well it's priceless getting um two very old-time identity Christians to give personal testimony about David Duke's absolute refusal to accept the truth, what we consider the truth, what we can establish as truth concerning the scripture. And, and for that, he is a tool for Jewry. Even if he thinks that he's on our side, even if he is sincere, he's still a tool for jury, if you um, go out of your way even to uphold the Jewish idea of the Old Testament scriptures, you're basically a tool for jury. And to finish tonight, we have an unexpected surprise. I was contacted um, during the segment with Gerald Mosley by our good friend Don Fox and Don has been quite busy in his life lately, so we're happy that he could take the time to be with us this evening. Hello, Don. Hello, Bill. How are you How doing? How you doing? Welcome back to Christagenia. <laughs> yeah, not more than an hour ago, I was at the uh, grocery store listening to your show from last night, and then you said you were going to be taking calls tonight. I'm like, damn, I better get home and see if Bill needs me. So Cool. Um, it, it's Yeah, right. We, we've, um, I wish I had more participation on these programs, but tonight we had a, a few people that had a lot to say, and, and it's been very good. But we're happy to have you as well. Yeah, I thought uh, uh, now would be a good time to chime in with maybe a uh, kind of a mini end times update, you know, in keeping with the theme of our last few shows. Well, you must have heard the beginning of this program, I guess, with the, the Deuteronomy 28 curses that, that I had um, attempted to explain. I, I was listening to your show from last night on uh, on my MP3 player, and I didn't I missed the first part of the show. Okay, that was the part that was probably most applicable to an end times update, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how this thing works, you know. Uh, you know, we do these things last minute. I mean, there's no big budget here or, you know, producers or anything like that. So. Right, that's for sure. So, yeah, I was, uh, um, the other day, I, it was up in the news. Now, I didn't get a lot of news play. Now, CNN, they're, they're running with, you know, this Russia uh, conspiracy theory, uh, which really is a conspiracy theory. But, you know, one thing that went through the thing, uh, 
you know, uh, made its rounds through the the, the news stories here was the uh, the border wall is actually going to get funded. And uh, I'm looking at a story here on the Daily Wire. Uh, the headline is Trump's border wall gets full 1.6 billion funding in big win. The uh, the Democrats tried to uh, block it. Uh, it's it's part of the, uh, the the funding for the wall is part of the 2018 Department of Homeland Security appropriations. And they wanted to put language in there that would say um, you can't spend money on a border wall. But uh, the GOP was able to uh, thwart that, and uh, it's going to come down to uh, Mad Dog Mattis. Um, he can spend the money as he sees fit. So um, there will be money for there will be funding for the wall. Now, a, a lot of our people got discouraged when the last budget went through, and there was no money for the wall, and everybody said, "Oh, there's never going to be a wall." Da 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 da. But what they don't understand is the, the last budget that went through was really Obama's budget, and it was pretty much already agreed to. And it was either pass that or shut down the government. And I think Trump did the right thing in not shutting down the government because that's just bad publicity all the way around. Well, well yeah, right. The average Judeo-tar, the average American would freak out. Yeah, and it yeah, because when the parks close and this and that, then there's all these stories and there's all this wailing and gnashing of teeth, and you know you got you know the Hufflepuff of the world will will be uh, all over Trump, and he doesn't need any more bad publicity than he's already getting. So I think I think he he did the right political move. Now he's made a bunch of political missteps, uh, but that was one move that was I, I thought was okay. And now in the fall though, th- this is a real Trump budget here. And there is going to be money for the wall. Uh, it says the total bill allocates $13.8 billion to customs and border protection. That includes $1.6 billion for the wall, $100 million to hire 500 or more border patrol agents, $131 million for new border technology, and $106 million for aircraft and sensors, and $109 million for non-intrusive inspection equipment, the, uh, the Hill reported. So I, I think what... You know, from a CI perspective, what we're seeing here now is the, I think we're seeing Matthew uh, uh, chapter 25, uh, the sheep and the goats. I think we're starting to see now the separation of the sheep and the goats. Well, well I think Trump does help in that respect, that there's no doubt, and, and, and in ways that we don't even understand yet, it, especially with the... Um, the, the kind of the, the transition from Black Lives Matter to the Antifa, but which is kind of like including Black Lives Matter and, and things like that, that there's social aspects, there's economic aspects. I, I, I really think that, that that's a possibility that we're seeing the beginning of that separation with Donald Trump. Yeah, and I'm not one of those guys that says uh, Trump is perfect or he's a savior or anything like that, but I think he's just the man that we need right now to advance the agenda. Um, you know, there's no one, there's no perfect human leader, and of course he's surrounded by Jews. We, you know, we all know the, we've seen the videos where in the documentation how many Jews you know you got Steve Mnuchin and Gerald Kushner. I mean, the guy's surrounded. So that the you know that, that he's getting any of this done at all is somewhat of a minor miracle, and I, and it, it gets back to my larger point is it's not Trump building the wall. I think this is the will of God that we're seeing in action here. 
do you really believe the wall will be built? I do. I'm one of the few people out there. I, I know there's a lot of uh, black-pilled folks in our movement that don't think, oh, there's never going to be a wall. We're never going to get rid of these people. And blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of uh, consternation and angst and things just are never going to get better. We're just flooded. But and, and as bitter as I get sometimes, like even going to the store or, you know, you're just surrounded with these people or work or school, whatever. You, you know, I'm an analyst, so you have to look at things. You have to detach yourself emotionally a little bit and say, okay, what is really going on here? And, you know, we read scripture, and it does say when Christ takes his throne back, he is going to separate the the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Well, you can't have a sheep nation if it's full of goats. So I think the goats have to leave the nation. And it, it, as we see it here, you know, me and my, my people here, we the way we see it is is that the United States and Canada are the promised land. So we see, you know, eventually this is this is Israel here. This is the true Israel. Europe may fall, but I see U.S. the U.S. and Canada as as being the final the final resting place here for our for our people. The, the final frontier, as they used to say on Star Trek. Yep, correct. <laughs> that, that we have brethren in um, South Africa, Austria, Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe, and, and there are a lot of pockets of, of whites and, and white Christians in, in other countries in Africa, even in Zimbabwe and, and places like that, that, that where we have a, a scattered remnant of, of people that remain. And... and Quite often, those people are more racially aware because of all the problems they've had in the former Rhodesia. But right, I, I really think that America it is the um, has the greatest frequency of Christians in the white population, and and America is the focal point of of the fulfillment of God's final will for man. I do believe that. If Trump builds the wall, it will, um, it's not going to send the Mexicans that are here back, right? We're already overrun with Mexicans. What it's going to do is further polarize Americans, which is basically along the lines of sheep and goats. It, it really is. Yet you have a bunch of whites on the side of the goats that are all degenerates, sexual degenerates, that, that may as well be destroyed. And, and, for the most part, all of the other races and all of the non-whites and, and mixed, mixed, not really whites, are, are that they almost always fall on the side of the goats. Yeah, I guess the way we see it is just, um, you know, soon after Trump took office, there was protests by the Mexicans down on the border. Um, I think just once, you know, in this summer, they're going to build prototypes out in the desert of the wall. Now, this is going to be. It's not going to be the one uniform wall all the way across. There's different landscapes and terrains you have to deal with and whatnot. But the way I see it, just the act of the wall going up in the first place is going to cause a lot of friction. Okay, I think this is going to be kind of the jumping off point. I think for the race war, I think things are going to really get heated up when this wall starts going up. I think the Jewish agitation is going to reach. Uh, pretty high levels is that wall is getting constructed. 
Well, I'd like to see it. I, I mean, I would like to see the building of the wall. I would like to see Trump keep that campaign promise because he's just about blown every other one, I think. But, but um, if he doesn't do it, I'm not going... It's just business as usual, right? I'm not going to be upset about it. I, I still think he's been valuable in helping to... Um, and, and indirectly helping to blackpill a lot of people that have come to a, a racial awakening through his um, campaign and, and the aftermath of his election. Yeah, um, as far as that goes, yeah. I mean, I mean, and Trump is a flawed individual. Don't get me wrong. I mean, look, the guy was a, a, a New York real estate billionaire, and you don't get to that position in life without doing a lot of deals with Jews. So, I mean, Trump is not a perfect man, but again, like I've told the other people, there is no perfect person out there that you can pick. I mean, there's only been one perfect man, on, you know, in the history of humanity, and he he died 2,000 years ago. So, um, we we got what we got, and in, in a strange way, I, I I you know when I analyze this, I think of Trump as. He's doing stuff that none of the rest of us can do, okay? You and I can do podcasts, and you can do, you know, Bible breakdowns better than anyone, but Trump's doing political stuff that you and I could never do. So in a certain way, I, I almost think he's kind of right now, and I'm not saying that he's perfect, but he might be the most valuable white guy. Well, well, I mean, Yahweh uses us all for, for his will, right? It, is Trump the most valuable white guy? I, I mean, he's in an important position, there's no doubt. And, and he, he's done a few good things with his mouth that, that have helped um, bring people to a, a sort of awakening over certain issues. He's, he's brought the fake news issue to the forefront for... for um, and, and put it in, in the public consciousness where the alternative news movement was struggling to do that. He did it in, in, in a very brief time, right? So I think he's done some good things that he hasn't meant to do, that, that he himself didn't really intend to do. But on the other hand, he's just as in bed with the Jews as any other American president. Well, of course he is, but then I, I also make the point that you know, in a way, we're all in bed with the Jews. Our kingdom has been handed over to the beast. Now, does anybody have non-Jewish money in their wallet? No. I mean, we're... I was talking to a co-worker a few years ago, and I said, when you really think about it, what we all are is we're like fish that swim in a Jewish ocean. Well, well yeah, the Jews on the water, I guess. That, <laughs> yeah, they're trying hard. <laughs> I mean, pretty much everything in your life one way or another, it gets down. There's a Jew somewhere running it. And and that's pretty much why it's so difficult to get us all, all, all white Christians even, never mind all whites, on the same page. Correct. That, that there, the Jews have thrown so many rabbit holes out there. So many people think they have the truth. Alex Jonesies, the, the people that follow Alex Jones, where they have the truth. They think they've arrived when they find Alex Jones. Alex Jones is just another part of the deception. After Alex Jones, when you give up on Alex Jones, you have David Duke. And, and right down the line until you get to, like, Eli James. It, 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 I mean, 
Yeah, well, yeah, and, and, and every person you mentioned there is somebody I listened to at one point, almost religiously. I mean, for me, and you know, I'm not saying I'm the most uh, learned CI guy there's that, that's out there because I didn't really get into CI until about 2015, and sure enough, uh, it was Eli James is who I started listening to, and then because uh, I was on a network with with Stu Webb, and I was doing podcasts with him, and I would hear Stu doing shows with Eli, and he would talk about some of these CI concepts and that started to sink in. I'm like, wow, wait a minute. You know, and it made me think because I was trying to back then I was trying to figure out, okay, exactly who are the Jews? What are they doing? What's going on here? And, and that, then a, a few weeks after I, you know, a few months after I started listening to Eli, then I heard, I saw you on the daily stormer and they were, they posted your uh, protocols of Satan. And when I heard Bill Fink, I went, okay, that's it. That's, that's that's the ticket. That's that's it right there. Well, well, that's it, it, it was um, it was amazing that he was posting the protocols of Satan, but he stopped at part seven. So so yeah. that's I, yeah. I mean I guess that's something. He really only gave me a boost though of about five hundred people per program, if I had to guess. Well, I was one of them. So from my perspective, it was a home run. Um, uh, when I started listening to you and you were breaking down all these Jews, because I was I was reading the protocols a lot back then. I listened to it. And there was an audio version of it, and I was reading the protocols quite a bit back then. And when I when I started listening to your first few shows, I'm like, okay, this guy he knows Jews. He's he's got this down cold. And uh, I, I eventually, I, after a few weeks, well, when I first heard you, I was like, well. Yeah, he knows the Jews, but maybe he's wrong about some of this other stuff. And so I'm like, well, can I disprove any of it? And like, and I started researching it. Like, no. So then it became, well, eventually I'm going to have to work with Bill. Um, well, well, doing- that's that, that's what I talked about with Danny. I don't know if you really got to listen to the recorded segment before you came on here. Danny, uh, I mean, he's been around Christian identity since 1972, and still understands that we could learn more and grow, right? Correct. And I mean, that, that's human. Yeah, none of us, none of us are all seeing or all knowing. You know, we're, we're, it's a learning process. Absolutely, and 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 to have um, Danny talked about following up, and Sonny did too earlier about following up behind me to prove that I was right. Right. I, I mean, to study to do that, and and that's so important. And most people don't realize it. They'd rather just listen to somebody, and they pick somebody based on their emotions and listen to them. And, and think they're okay, and, and they don't do the studying to follow up behind them and make sure they're true. And and you do that, and that's commendable. So, what we need to have more people do that. Yeah, we do. Our 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 people. Are, you know, some of our people are really knowledgeable, and a lot of them are they've hit the snooze button uh, quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of people out there searching, and you know, I listen to a lot of these shows, and I don't have a lot of cash to donate to anybody. So, well, I will. I'll do what I can. I'll I'll provide some content and hopefully steer a couple people down the right path um, while, while I'm at it. Well, well, it helps. I mean, you and 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 Lori have been indispensable on Twitter. Right? I mean, you've been a huge help. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I I came across her a couple of years ago, and or a little over a year ago, and. Uh, it hit her. See, she had done a lot of Bible study, and uh, um, 
she, she was like, I kept, there was like pieces she couldn't put together. And then, you know, I explained to her about what CI was and, uh, it's kind of like the light bulb went on and she dove into it. And so all those years of she'd put in studying the Bible, now it all came together. There's, there's a bunch of disconnects with traditional churchianity, which is why I kind of dropped it, you know, 30 years ago. Right. Right. A lot of us did. And, and I think that's, you know, and now a lot of people, as, as we get more, there's more awareness now. I, I think Twitter has been huge in getting white people somewhat of a racial conscious consciousness. And, um, there's a lot of, you know, these alt-right people or fashy people. I mean, Twitter is becoming a shitlord platform. And a lot of these people, they're, they're going, hey, wait a minute. We're getting flooded with, with, with niggers. What's going on? This is horrible. Uh, w- what's going on here? They're, they don't like it. And, the, you know, Christianity comes up, and a lot of them are like, well, wait a minute. That's what let us down in the first place. Well, it wasn't real Christianity that that let us down. It was the Jewish churchianity that gave us a bum steer. Right, exactly. Tw- Twitter has helped. I, I mean, Twitter's only... It, it, we still haven't felt the impact yet. It's only about 2% of our traffic each month. But that's 2,000 visits a month. I mean, it's significant. And and I'm hoping it does better. I mean, I don't... My, my, I myself, I don't put enough time into Twitter. I put a little more time into Facebook. That's about six percent of our traffic each month. Maybe, maybe I think it's close to seven the the last couple of months. But it, it's still in um, social media is still insignificant on on a big scale. We're still trying to um, let leverage it better. We just want to get the message to as many people as possible. I don't expect to be popular. I'd like a lot of people to come to my site and a few people to get it. And and that's the ratio. Well, yeah, I think social media is one way. I, I dropped my Facebook account. I just deactivated it. I, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, Twitter I like because you can kind of dip in and out and, you know, throw a Molotov cocktail at somebody and then go back to your regular life. You know, Twitter is a is a it, it's a kind of a quick blast you know 140 characters that's it and so it, it's good for hit and run so and th- that's kind of like that's kind of more my social media style so i love twitter i enjoy the twitter platform and um you know w- one thing we were talking about tonight is okay so the sheep and the goats um all right the separation it isn't going to just come painlessly you know it's like when it's time to rip the bandaid off, okay, it's going to hurt. You're going to, it's going to sting. And part of that is the race war is going to ramp up. And so what we're trying to do is, is reach some of our younger people and get them, get them the, the message of Christian identity, you know, to, to explain to people what's going on. It, it's not good enough to just get on and do a podcast and say, choose and niggers suck. Okay. That doesn't really do any good. Why? Well, why do they suck? Why are they here in the first place? What's really going on? I mean, you can't, you have to explain it to people. You can't just calling other, you know, the other races names just doesn't really, it's not productive in the final equation. Well, well, absolutely not. That the, um, you could rag on Jews and niggers all day long as I, um, 
Well, you missed the beginning of the program, right? But I'm not going to rub it in too much. And as I talked about the curses of Deuteronomy 28, we are given all the reasons for Jews and niggers in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Simply not following the, the commandments given to us by our God. Yeah, correct. Yeah, we, we were talking about that today. It's... Uh... If we were, if we would just follow the instructions God gave us, this wouldn't be happening. But okay, we didn't. So, I mean, we're paying now not only for our own personal sins, but it's kind of a generational thing. And it isn't just the boomers that let us down. It was white people thousands of years ago dropped the ball. They didn't wipe out the Canaanites like they were supposed to. Right. Um, so this is our we're. You reap what you sow. This is what we've sowed as a people, so now we're, it's time to reap it. Absolutely, I, I, I agree. And, and the, 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 the outlook in Scripture is pretty bleak. I, I mean, it, I, I did a podcast a few years ago called Strip Bare and Naked. If we continue our disobedience, we're going to be stripped bare and naked and absolutely defenseless before we are finally delivered. Well, it, it does say in Matthew that, you know, these last days will be shortened um, and for, for, this, for the elect's sake. So, And that's what we pray, right? We pray it doesn't get so far. It doesn't get so bad. There's yeah, if this hope. were to just play out on its own, there wouldn't be any of us left. We, we have to have balance because the on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, Christ said that, the end days will be as it was in the days of Noah. They will be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, meaning that everybody's just going to be having a jolly good time. And, and that's what we have now. We have, it's, I, I worked with a guy 10 years ago, and he says, hey, dude, it's Babylon, man. Just enjoy it. And, and we are um, stripped bare and naked, but we don't know it. People don't know how, how destitute we are as a nation. No, a lot of people think, well, I, I do have a pretty nice car out in the driveway, and I've got a flat-screen TV. What's wrong? Right. Uh, My niggers are running a ball around the field every night on that flat-screen TV, so there can't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong? I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> and, and then, But you go to a job where they're they're pushing diversity. Um, you go to a, you know, you go to go to the grocery store. You're surrounded as you see these, you know, these mestizos shoving out cart. I mean, shopping carts just full. You know, I'm lucky if I go over there, if I can, if I can haul one bag out, you know, one of these, uh, you know, bring your own shopping bag. And I'm lucky if I can fill one of those up. But, I, you know, I'm seeing these, you know, these blacks and these Mexicans, they're, they're just shoving huge carts, just overflowing out, out the door. And and Melissa, we were talking about that. I was talking about that earlier in the podcast, how Melissa and I go to, um, you know, we live in vacation land, right, Panama City. We're down Panama City Beach all the time. We drive out to Destin sometimes on my days off. Yesterday we were in Pensacola on the way home from Biloxi, and, and we see all these expensive hotels and resorts I mean $300 a night hotels, they're $1,200, $1,500 for the week, and they're half full of mestizos and negroes. And, and you, 
it, it makes you wonder because we all know that niggers basically don't work and and that most Mexicans only work very low-wage jobs um, lawn care and things like that restaurant cooks Mexican restaurant waiters when they do work so so how do they afford these hotels that most white people can't afford it's incredible and and there's more and more of them down here every year it's like they are basically taking over it, it's slow but it, it, it's pretty soon there won't be any room for white people on the Gulf Coast well there's a lot of areas in this country that are getting overrun and the point is okay each I, I was I read an article on, on the right stuff uh, last year towards the end of 2016 and somebody just ran the numbers here's the federal budget and here's who's getting what and there was a the breakdown was that um, the average white person equals $2,500 budget surplus on the federal budget deficit. Um, a mestizo is minus 7500 and a black person is minus $10,000 on average. That's just the federal numbers. That's not state and local. Um, so these people are only here to destroy our country. And the, the policy has been for the last 50, 60 years to just pay them off so we can go to the we can go play golf or we can watch the game on TV. Uh, but eventually the EBT cards are going to run out. The you know all the other programs and all the money from the you know the Jewish charities is going to run out, and there isn't going to be anything left, and the whole system is going to collapse, and that that's the fall of Mystery Babylon. Well, well, that could be sparked by that government shutdown you had spoke about earlier, it, if it ever were to happen. And the, EBT, and the EBT cards did not work, that there would be niggers rioting in every... They tear apart every well, American city. That's... Yep. There will be a... When those things shut down, there'll be a massive riot. So I guess what, what I see, you know, not that I'm a prophet or a visionary or anything like that, but just looking at the trends here, okay, when the wall starts going up, I think we're going to go... We're going to see more Jewish agitation, you know... Most of the Jewish agitation we've seen is with you know Black Lives Matter and PIFA. Um so we're we're gonna see some of that, but I, I think we're gonna see more uh Jews using mestizos to agitate. It's more organized. Like here in, in Texas, um S B four goes into effect on September first, where there will there's a S B four is a sanctuary city ban here in Texas. No city in Texas can be a sanctuary city. Or they get cut off from state funding. So San Antonio and Austin are, are suing uh, Governor Abbott. But uh, from my perspective here, they're not going to win, and that law is going to be upheld. So that's going to get rid of a certain amount of them, but there's going to be more agitation, okay? It, the racial consciousness is going to start really bubbling up. Um so we're going to see the wall. We're going to see SB4 going to effect. This fall is going to be an interesting time. It's going to start getting more and more heated as this thing goes forward. Well, well I think the racial conscience, yeah, you know, I see as much race mixing down here in the South as I do in the North. Don't make no mistake about it. But I think that the racial consciousness among the whites down here is a lot stronger because of the southern culture and and because of the civil war the civil rights movement reconstruction and and all the all of that history where, where in the north 
and I was raised in the North as well, that there is no racial consciousness hardly at all and, and any anymore. I mean, we had one, well, we had one in, in the 60s and, and the 70s, but amongst the, the younger generations today, it's gone. Well, it's, it, it's going to start making a comeback because there's going to be nowhere to hide from this. Um, you know, like, so like I, like I was saying, these, all these people are huge drains on our budget. So like it says in the, in the, in the Bible, that the, the Palmer worm, the canker worm, the locust, that's what they are. They're here to eat out our substance. Uh, eventually God is going to destroy these people for, for eating out our substance. But you know, that's the process is starting. But it doesn't. It's not going to happen overnight. And um, well, well like, I'm sure you see more of a racial consciousness in Texas than you did in Minnesota. Uh, to a degree, but there's so many there's so many uh, Somalis now up in Minneapolis that uh, it's it's starting to uh, even the average non-racist liberal white Minnesotan is starting to develop a little more of a consciousness because the Somali population is huge. The CIA has been, and the State Department have been shipping in Somalis into Minneapolis since the early 80s. So are you happy to be a southerner now? <laughs> <laughs> or a northerner in the south at least? Yeah, I mean, Minneapolis, I think, has the biggest Somali population in the country. And these these seventy IQ Somalis are absolutely good for nothing, and well, they might be good for making some white men repent. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what they're here for. Yes, that's probably the only purpose they can serve. There's no job they can really do. I mean, they can't contribute to an advanced white economy in any meaningful way. They're just drains on the system, and um, I think. What's I think what you're going to see though is with, with with this wall is when it goes up, the Mexicans are going to say, "Hey, wait a minute, this is to keep me out. I'm not good enough," and that's going to make them mad because the, the the government of Mexico, the policy has been that they can't take care of all their people, so it's kind of their policy is we're going to just send a certain amount north, and then we don't have to pay for them, and they're going to get. They're going to start going back. They're going to start getting them back. And that's going to start causing problems down there. So, the, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but you're going to start to see this over time. There's going to be more angst, and it's going to cause some problems. Well, I hope the wall goes up just because it'll, it, it'll I think a wall would polarize Americans more quickly. I really do. Yes, that's that's that's. The, I think that's what its true purpose is. Yeah, it's not so much the physical barrier. I mean, we could just by enforcing existing laws, we could we could clean out most of these people. But as a symbol, this wall is is unparalleled, and I love the symbolism. And one quote I heard the, uh, a couple days ago, or maybe last week, was, "In the race war, your enemy will decide which side you're on." So these these colorblind conservatives and these non-racist white liberals, they're going to find out in a big hurry which side of the war they're actually on. Well, that might be true in some cases. 
uh, most of these, um, I, I don't know, if, if you look at these Antifa that we encountered in, in New Orleans back in May, they are so, the whites among them are so degenerate that they wouldn't, uh, I get the feeling they wouldn't mind bending over be in, in, in front of a line of a hundred niggers. Well, were, were they actually whites or were they Jews? Well, well, a lot of them looked absolutely white. I mean, a lot of them were Jews, and and a lot of them looked white. I mean, I, I couldn't say that they weren't. But they were yeah, fags and them. lesbians and mud sharks and 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 all kinds of degenerates. I, I saw a blurb uh, a, a couple of weeks ago about Antifa celebrating their their like their hundred year past or whatever, and they were talking about Bolshevik and uh, hell, even French Revolution stuff. So Antifa is definitely a Jewish movement. Well, well, right, and it's the extension of the the, the scum of France that were used to to um, launch the French Revolution, and 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 the scum of Germany that we used to launch the the the, um, the Bavarian Red Republic, and and all of the other um, that the Antifa is probably seventy five hundred years old, right? I mean, the Jews went and got the Antifa out of the markets of, of Thessalonica in order to assault Paul and his apostles. You, you know, I mean, it, it's an ancient trick to get the, to energize the dregs of society against the system. And, and really, in, in America, the way it is today, the Antifa are actually radicals for the establishment because the establishment is all for diversity and multiculturalism yeah the, the establishment is actually against civilization it's it's Jewish agitators that are out to destroy white civilization and white people all right together. they pretend to be anti-establishment they're really anti-white that that's my yeah. point yeah, and and the, the the coolest people on the street see they th they think white people run everything and they keep black people down. Well, in reality, we've propped up black people for hundreds of years. I mean, if if, if no European ever went to Africa, there would be no two story buildings in Africa. There would be no plumbing whatsoever, no electricity, no running water. That's absolutely true. They'd still be sitting in dung huts and washing themselves in urine to keep the mosquitoes away. Some of them are doing that. Well, quite a few of them are, yeah. But some of them live in either white or formerly white areas. I mean, our, our brother, our brothers in South Africa are getting overrun. Right. And I would, you know, if we're going to have immigration, I would like to see a program to get the South African, the Afrikaners, get them here. Well, of course. That there's most of them are salt of the earth people. I'm sure. I, I'm in communication with quite a few of them. And and I would like to take, you know, I would like to open up an invitation to Germans, and Englishmen. Hey, London, Paris, Berlin, Hamburg. You're all getting overrun. Um, at least here we're going to have borders, and I I think it's the start, the start here. I I think. We need to open up immigration to white only. Well, well, right, but that's not going to happen. That, that's you're never going to reverse the, the Immigration Act of 1968 or whatever it was. 
Well, I, I think you might see that in, 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 in the near future, Bill. It may actually come to pass. Well, well, we'll see, but it's against the trend. I, I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, the but I, I think there's a larger force at work here, and you know, perhaps I'm all all off on this, but I think that that is going to happen. I, I think the United States and Canada are holy ground. I can, and it's going to get purified. I, I can understand that in in your altruism we're all altruistic to a degree yet you would love to see america open its door extend its doors to give the last remnants of christianity overseas an opportunity to be here i i can understand that and and that desire i I just don't know that it, it could possibly happen under the current regime we we would need a cleansing first as you said yeah, that's not going to happen overnight, but I think eventually it will. Well, well, that would only come with the fall of Babylon, and and that could start here. I I mean, it very well could. I mean, the financial system is so corrupt. I mean, it could collapse at any time. Um, they might be able to prop it. Up. Who knows how long they can prop it up? Um, but it's so corrupt and so decadent that it's going to implode. It's not if, it's when. Well, well, you know, it's definitely going to implode, there's no doubt. But I think right now if you offered the average German, if you you explain to them that they're, they're being overrun and this is their chance to flee to America and here's your plane ticket, I think most of them wouldn't come. Well, I did read read a story a couple months ago about a, a German man drove up to Moscow and and asked for political asylum because the, the German government was out to destroy the German people. Yeah, right. Well, that's true, but I, I don't think the average German would understand that yet. Uh, I mean, I'm, I get email from Germans in German. I got to run it through Google Translate in, in order to understand it. And, and a lot of Germans are slowly awakening but it, it's a much smaller percentage than anywhere else, and except for maybe Sweden and, and Norway. It, it's those people are still um, that they're absolutely brainwashed in liberalism. That they don't they don't have any tradition at all, Germans, because they were completely re-educated beginning in the 1950s with the denazification programs. That their educational system was orchestrated was redeveloped by Jews from scratch in the 1950s so far as I've seen yeah I mean again with with men this is impossible Um, and with with God all things are possible and uh, we're seeing a lot of these like you've said before you know a lot of these prophecies are going to be concurrent you know we're, we're seeing you know we're in Gog and Magog now we're in the camp of the saints scenario um but it does say at some point, fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. Yes, sir. You know, I, I believe that we are that fire down out of heaven because the house of Joseph will be a, for a fire and the house of Jacob a flame and the house of Esau for stubble. That the, the, the fire that comes down from heaven actually comes in the form of an awakened people. Yes, 
Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion. Well, we are the daughter of Zion. Yeah, at, at some point we're going to wake up. And, I, you know, I don't know exactly when that's going to be, but I'm starting to see the tide turn because, okay, look, the, it did say, look, they're going to be a cloud to cover the land. You're going to be flooded. It's coming. And it's here. Um, but it's also, there's going to be a time where these people get destroyed that have flooded us. Now, is that going to be in 2018? You know, I don't think it's going to be. It's. I think the process is starting. Well, that's Ezekiel chapter 39, right? It's yeah. doubtful. It's doubtless that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And, when, and most things in Scripture are actually processes. It, yes. The, the Assyrians started to come into Syria in the 9th century BC, but they didn't get to the northern um, tribes of Israel on the opposite, on, on the east bank of the Jordan until maybe 750-something BC. And, and it was still another 30-something years before they took Samaria. It was a process. It didn't happen overnight. And, and it was um, not until 5, 598, I think, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, 584, 585 B.C. that Jerusalem finally fell. It was a long process. And, and I believe that's what's happening today. We may not see the process yet because not enough of it has been completed, but it's a long process. Yes, it, but I think it's starting as well. I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, I see the beginnings of the sheep and the goat separation, which is the final judgment. So we're, I mean, we're in Gog and Magog right now, and so we're. And it did say, okay, so Satan would be loosed out of his pit for a short season. So we generally take that to be about the time of the French Revolution. So. Um, a short season to me, I guess, would be less than the thousand years that the Jew was locked up in the pit. Well, right. It can't be any more than a time, I pray, I mean, which is 360 years. It's the time of Jacob's trouble, I pray, is not more than a time, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, correct. But even that leaves us another 120 years to go. I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, you have to ask yourself, okay, how long? I, I, I don't think Christ is going to return until the U.S. and Canada have been purified. So how long is that going to take? You know, that it's not going to happen overnight. Well, we shall see. That That's an interesting way to look at it all. I, I agree with it. What well, we shall see. I, I mean, I've said very often that prophecy doesn't exist that we can see the future no well, we, I, 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 we, neither neither one of us can tell the future but I guess what I'm saying is what, what I read in the Bible is stuff that I'm starting to see around me now absolutely and anybody that, that, that gets turned on to what we say at Christagenia and doesn't see the, the, the camp of the saints scenario being fulfilled where Satan being the, the international Jew it is gathering all the nations against Christian Israel being the European white. Anybody that can't see that is just stuck on stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you can't see that, you really shouldn't be listening to this show. 
So this is this is not the show for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, you know, Raspail, I, I, I finished, I, I listened to the audio book version of Camp of the Saints a few months ago. And, you know, Raspail, he, he called it in 73. He said, this is going to happen. They're going to show up in all these boats. And he, he thought maybe they were coming from India, but it was boats from Africa instead. Right. And we're going to get flooded, and it's going to wreck society. And what has happened? And, and George Soros is buying the boats from, from for, for the Africans. I mean, do you see these boats they're crossing the channel on? Or, or they're crossing the Mediterranean on? That these boats are like... Uh, I mean, and any redneck would love to have one of these boats to go bass fishing on. Yeah, you know, or to go swimming off. The, these things are... These rafts are, are like... $10,000 rafts or something. They're like luxury rafts. Well, yeah, a couple of years ago, they had some really bad ones that were sinking, so the Jews probably didn't want, couldn't have that, so they had to uh, uh, spend some money on some better boats for these people. There ain't no bass pro shops in, Li- in, in Liberia to buy these rafts. <laughs> well, what the hell? I mean, can't people think of this? That these rafts are not being bought at the local sporting goods store in Libya. It, it's incredible <laughs> that people don't see this. But well, a lot a lot of our people are are in a they're in a daze. I guess is probably a good way to put it. And look, this this is this all this is an invasion. Okay, it's a well funded army. It's they're not armed with. They're not. They're not all coming in with M16s or AK47s, but they're coming in. It's an invasion, and it's a well-funded invasion by the Jews. The Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society is huge on this. Catholic Charities is a big part of this. Who who has flooded Minneapolis with all these these Somalis? Well, it's been the CIA, the State Department, and Catholic Charities for the most part. That, that's, that, that's about right. I, I mean, I think the Lutheran churches and on parts of it too, and some of the Protestant churches are funding it. Yeah. But but um, the the Catholics, you know, they're really desperate because their attendance, white attendance in Catholic churches, has been on a slide for years. And and well, even in America, and and they are desperate to fill the pews. What with squat monsters and and Africans and whatever they could get their hands on, they're desperate for that. Yeah, I mean the Pope might as well be a rabbi. I mean, what's the difference? He's washing the feet of these invaders. Right, he may as well be a rabbi. I think he is a rabbi. That they just have a different title because he's <laughs> the rabbi to the Gentiles or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's. I mean it's Satan. The Catholic Church is Satan, the modern version of it. You know, at one point they they did keep the Jew locked in the pit, but um, they've been they were completely they were taken over financially by the Rothschilds in 1823, I think. And since Vatican II, I mean anything there's just like no good coming from Catholicism anymore. I mean, you might as well go to a synagogue. Well, well that's absolutely true. Yeah, and, and that, that was your point. There, there isn't supposed to be a professional priest class. The reason why the, the 
a lot of a lot of the reason universalism is is so big, I think, is that to run a business model, you have to get as many butts in the pew as you can. Yeah, if they're black, white, yellow, you don't really care. You know, if you're going to save whites only, you're going to cut out a big part of the market. And the, these, you know, modern modern religion, it's expensive. I mean, you got to have a big building. You know, you've got to pay property tax. You've got to pay maybe, or maybe in some places you get no property tax. But you know, you got to pay the, the electricity bill. You got to pay maintenance. You got to pay for upkeep. You, know, you got to pay for staff. You have to generate revenue. It's a business. Absolutely. That there were, yeah, yeah, right. That's another can of worms. There weren't any such. There was no such thing as a Christian priest until the fourth century. I, I've never seen the, the term Christian priest in any writing until Eusebius. I, I've never seen it in, in any earlier Christian writer than Eusebius of Caesarea, who who wrote in the early 4th century, around the time of the Council of Nicaea. The, the word Christian priest, the, the term Christian priest, I think, started to appear when the pagan priests realized that they were going to be out a vocation until they created a Christian priesthood. I think that's what happened. I can't prove it. But there were no Christian priests until Rome began to accept Christianity. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to get a real job, so why not go into the clergy? I mean, clergy has always had a a high status for the most part among the people, and that's a, it, it was a way out for a lot of people that didn't want to be a, you know lay bricks or make tents or dig ditches or whatever. Yeah, they didn't want to work in honest vocation. The professional priesthood has been with us as it it, it it it's been with us since the dawn of time. Uh, I mean, the, the the Babylonian priesthood is the Roman priesthood is only an extension of the same idea. Basically, yes. Uh, all of those pagan priesthoods. Yeah, it's been sort of a mission creep. Um, they've had to evangelize, you know, blacks and mestizos and um, even Asians. Well, well, right. Christianity, if you really study the words of Christ, Christianity was supposed to be the antithesis to the control of professional priesthoods. Yes, it was. We are all, all Christian men are kings and priests of their own households. That That's what the scripture tells us. Yeah, there isn't supposed to be one of us on TV telling everybody else what to do. No. No, it's one thing to teach scripture. It's another thing to tell everybody else what to do. Yes, to control people. Yeah, and that's, you know, I'm not a... Uh, you know, this isn't a cult here. You know, we, I don't, you know, yeah, if people send me money, I'll take it. But, you know, I don't ask for funding or anything like that. Um, what we do is I offer up the analysis and give it away freely. Well, well that's, that's how I've operated my ministry for nine years now, basically. Yeah, I, I've done work on 9-11 and JFK, and, you know, it's all been given away for free. And, 
if people want to uh, get to the bottom of that stuff, you know, my, my work is out there. Um, my blog is on hiatus for the time being, but uh, it'll be back, you know, at some point. Um, I'm just busy with other things right now, so instead of going through and cleaning everything up, I just decided to shut it down for the summer. And um, but the the work has been out there. You can still find all the articles if you need them. And uh, um, I've never, well, I've gotten a, maybe a couple hundred bucks in donations in the last five to six years or whatever. That that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, there's yeah, so. no money in truth. There's a lot of money no. in lies. If you're really trying to tell the truth, that that it's it, it's a hard life. It really is. And and the Bible tells us that. Yeah, you know, I'm sure the Baal prophets ate a lot better than the the minor prophets in the Scripture. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it, I didn't get in this for money though. I mean, the whole reason I started doing 9/11 Truth was just basically to shove it up the ass of the man. I was a I was a miscon I was a malcontent sitting down in the basement and uh it nine eleven when I finally started to figure out what happened, it pissed me off so much that um I actually got involved in it and ended up doing public speech speech uh, speeches on it. And when I speak publicly about nine eleven uh, the CIA shows up, Mossad, all those guys. That that's the way it works. <laughs> so, I guess you I hit mean, the big the big time when they show up at your at your at, they, at your lectures, right? They fly in, yeah. Jews fly in to see me speak. If I ever do a public presentation on nine eleven again, rest assured, there will be plenty of Jews in attendance. I mean that's my that's my that's actually my core audience I think is the ADL, <laughs> the FPLC, Mossad, Langley. Those are my guys. That's who listens. Well, well, sooner or later the message will get out to the to the 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 numbed masses. That's what they are. They're all um, on anesthetics or or, or um brain-numbing painkillers and, and all kinds of things that prevent them from opening their eyes and asking simple questions. Well, I pray that we're doing some good here, Bill. And uh, it was wonderful chatting with you. And uh, um, I hope some people will, you know, listen to this and, you know, do some more homework and uh, help they can wake up their white brothers and sisters. Absolutely, and thank you for being here, Don, and, and I'm sure that um, it'll be edifying to our listeners. It always is. Hey, it was a great pleasure being here, and uh, um, I'm, I'm here to serve, and uh, it was, you know, praise Yahweh. And we'll talk to you again soon, and, and we'll look okay. forward to it. Praise Yahweh. Good night, Don. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thank you. Okay, that's going to wrap up this evening. And, and I thank everybody who listens to this program. And I believe it was priceless to get the testimony of both Gerald Mosley and Danny Updegraff. I thank them. Concerning um, David Duke and the fact that he's been introduced to Christian identity truth repeatedly for... 40 years, for over 40 years, and continues to reject it, even though we can document 
from ancient history exactly the reasons for our profession. He continues to reject it. Now, General Mosley had told us that at one time he certainly seemed to accept it and changed his mind along the way. <sighs> David Duke, we've tried to um, have a dialogue with for at least three or four years now, and he has not even given us the time of day. Many of our listeners have tried on Twitter and on Facebook and other venues like that on the Daily Stormer Forum, where David Duke at least sometimes participates to confront him and get him to discuss things with me, and he's refused to take up the offer. The offer. So I, I, I don't. I'm nobody special, but I certainly can establish the reason for our beliefs in history. And if he won't listen to that, what good is this man? So that that was one thing which, one point which this afternoon when Danny told me that he would do the interview with me, that one thing that I wanted to establish this evening, that I am very grateful to those two men for establishing there are others of our friends who can also establish that, and we will look forward to hearing from them on this topic the next opportunity we have. I am also grateful to um, Sonny Eanes and, and Travis Brady, and of course to Don Fox for their conversation tonight, and pray that you find this program edifying. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, true Israel, our Christian white nations. And good night. Mm-hmm.